Listen, why don't you just drift off somewhere and molest someone your own age? I've had a long day. Yeah, well, that's not all that's long. That's it. I've had enough of your childish sexual advances. Go away, or I'll call the cops. Childish, huh? Yeah, well, I'm old enough to satisfy you. Get your hands off me! Get off of me, or I'll scream! Go ahead. Scream. I like it when my girls scream. Fun fact, that wasn't the trailer for the movie we're doing today. That was an actual audio clip of our audience listening is as Steve talks me into coming back to the show. So I piped mad crickets in there. So <laughs> that's, that's our audience. Welcome, everybody, to episode 78 of Schlockernaut, where we travel to the edge of the cinematic universe to watch and discuss all types of films, including those in our fabulous Fonsano February. Correct. And in the process, decide whether they are schlock or not. And I am Doc, joined here by my buddy Steve, and uh, now on to the show. I want to be referred to as Steve Micklethor. <laughs> it's Michael, by the way. Damn, I like Micklethor. But, but no matter what, no matter how it's pronounced, the way it's spelled, I always say Mickle <laughs> every well, single time. Well, no matter what, what name I give myself, I will not be um, sizing up to him, I can tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. Well, we are talking about 1987's Zombie Nightmare. And uh, this was kind of a crazy idea I came up with when uh, we had movie night at the house and we watched another Fasano movie. And I said, hey, he's got two or three really prime candidates for the show. So what do you think about a Fasano February? And graciously, you uh, accepted the challenge. So thank you. It was right after I watched the... the, um pilot episode of the fall guy and i was pushing for fall guy february which i think we're gonna have to push till next february uh, <laughs> both work though i think oh yeah absolutely man uh, but we do have to get out of uh uh this movie territory we're kind of in some quicksand Sh- here been in schlockville yeah, for a minute some quicksand. <laughs> so are you ready oh let me go back uh, i am all digital now no paper notes oh so no kidding we, are, wow. we have evolved Nice, dude. I'm still a big mess. I got like laptop, iPad, typed notes, written notes, two screens, big old mess. Lawnmower, man. Yep. All right. Uh, you want to do our fake sponsors? Sure. All right, Doc, hit me. This episode of Schlockernaut is brought to you by Zombie Bats. Proceed. Because every zombie needs a baseball bat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the weapon of choice, apparently. Uh Yeah. For the the number one um, zombie approved weapon, nine out of ten zombies approved. <laughs> yeah, baseball bats. Yeah, it's good. All right, my uh, I'm gonna where am I at? Okay, this episode brought to you by Tidy Whiteys, designed by Arthur Niebler in 1934. After seeing a postcard showing a guy wearing a bikini style bathing suit on the French Riviera, because we get a really nice shot of a Tidy Whitey in this one. Oh, I think you yeah. know the shot. I don't know if about nice shot. Yeah. It's pretty um, nice. But we got a shot. We <laughs> definitely did. Were you were you uh, pecker checking when you got a uh, hot tub? Jeez, it was that soggy wiener. You think I didn't notice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Half my notes are about his soggy wiener. All right. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Let's do this before now. we get too far into it. Turn around now, everybody. Just go ahead and just go to Joe Rogan. I find your lack of faith in these two disturbing. If you continue to listen, 
your movie experience may be spoiled. All right, pal, you remember how we talked about the fact that I was going to try and purchase every DVD of every movie we watched for the show? I do. I think this broke the trend. Well, that you could be spoiling a trivia question for later, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know um, if I need this one, honestly. I mean, completionism for complete. If you had the, if you had the I, shelf, I guess I guess yeah. I could spend the. Uh, it's probably going to be five hundred dollars for this DVD for this movie. I don't know, or it could be eight dollars, or it could be in the bargain bin for two. I don't know. It like, really would be. This cool, is that though. type of movie. Like having a whole shelf of just our movies in in order from one to whatever number, I think would be like that would be super cool. I would that would be a like a nice memento of our work. A trophy <laughs> case, a trophy case. <laughs> Can we use the the word work and yeah. semi quotes? Tr- a trophy top? case of our so, efforts. Yeah, I I watched this on Tubi. Um, which man that that service is just crushing it. Dude. I think like, uh, so I think like five of our last six movies have been on Tubi. Yeah. But uh, so this is a Dark Force Entertainment release. That's what came up at the beginning of the movie in the credits in the title sequence. So I want you to guess: is it Dark Force Entertainment or Doc? Of course. Oh, nice releases. Very you nice. ready? Yeah, go for it. Because are they Dark Force or Doc? Of course. Okay. Uh, Ride the hot wind. I'm gonna say Doc Force. No, that's a real Dark Force Entertainment. Uh, I thought that was like a fart. Uh, joke. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Ride the hot wind. That's that's one of their movies. Uh, Journey into your rear. Oh God! I hope that's a Doc Force. That is. It was a Journey into Fear. Was their version nice. of it. Uh, Bigfoot from Planet sixty one. Mm, I'm gonna say that's a real one. No, the real one's Yeti, Giant of the twentieth century. So you were wrong. Pretty sir. close though. Probably Are you ready? The same plot. Probably. Last and not least, yeah. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I'll say that's real as well. Nope, that was a made-up one. The real one is, if he hollers, let him go. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So there you go. Good one, buddy. Uh, I don't care how I feel about the rest of this movie. Uh, The intro is ridiculously stupid. (laughs) I don't know why I love that intro so much, dude. When I first started, I was thinking... There's there's no way they got the rights to the Ace of Spade for this movie. And then, no shit, they got Motorhead. Like, I couldn't believe it. That blew me away. Yeah. Well, you, you're kind of getting ahead of yourself because it starts off with a Tina Turner impersonator. Oh, shoot. Um, I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, her name is Manuska Rugo, Riga, R-I-G-A-U-D, Rigad, Rigaud. And this is her only acting credit, incredibly. Well, she gave it 100%. Sure. She was mumbling some absolute gibberish garbage. Uh, I guess some sort of incantation uh, over a corpse that's laying in a box. Little, little uh, wooden box. Coffin. No explanation, a- though, of... Like, this beginning of the movie, it does... It Then it cuts to another scene that you don't know if there's been a time lapse since then. You don't know... There was a prop. There was a disjointedness. I don't... Tell me why the beginning of the movie had her in it at all. Why does the beginning movie of the movie have her in it? Yes. And then also that scene is in the movie later. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So when I, I watched it later, I, I was thinking, is it a different person in the box? Did I miss something that she had done before um, and didn't understand at the time? But no, I still didn't get it. There's a lot of that. You can tell it's amateur filmmaking. Everybody associated with this movie besides um, uh, Manuska Rigaud has gone on to do something 
pretty exceptional, even though Manuska Rigaud is a actual Tina Turner impersonator. And there's videos of her on uh, various websites you can find that are pretty good. Um, there is a lack of like establishment shots for a lot of the scenes. So like yes. it just jumps into a location. You're like, where the fuck are we at? What's what, what time, what time period are we in? Is this, is this, <laughs> did, you don't get like 10 years later, you don't get uh, you know, previously on, you get nothing. So you just kind of have to piece it together yourself. On a very special on, episode of. Right? of yeah. You get, you have to piece it together based on maybe the cars that they were driving at the time or something. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not upset with the fact that they didn't say like, you know, uh, Ohio, 1987. That doesn't bother me. It's just the fact that the intro was so jarring. Cool, very cool, but jarring. And I think what Fasana was doing is like every low budget kind of underground horror film, right? Independent film needs like a really cool intro. You got to grab it. Needs you, like something you need to grab hook. your attention, yeah, right? right? So out of all the footage he had for that entire movie, that is probably the coolest looking <laughs> image, like coolest shot ever. So basically. She has some bullshit incantation, which sounds kind of like, um, nice. and, uh, this corpse of John Michael Thor, Michael Thor pops out of the ground. He's got gnarled fingers and his eyes are milky white and he's just beginning to turn into a zombie, I guess. I don't know. And then it cuts to the, to the title card. And we get Ace of Spades by Motorhead, which is pretty incredible. Pretty damn incredible, dude. I, I At first, I just thought they ripped the music in without license and just put it in the movie. But no, I was wrong. No, we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, here in a little bit. Because there's some other stuff on this uh, soundtrack that is a little suspect, Okay, if you ask me. But I don't think it was intentional by any means. Um, very 80s shot on video, like title card merges. And I really dug the aesthetic. And um, I don't know if you noticed this, but like the big bands actually had their logo, but then the lesser known bands just had like stock, like title edit, like credits, very generic looking. The credits to me were pretty unremarkable. Um, I know it did go straight from, from um, Motorhead into like the, the, that uh, free use classical music, like conjoined used. So it would kind of jump between like, here's a hard rock song and here's some free use, you know, classical music. Here's a song you may know, and here's one you're definitely not going to know. But we'll talk about who created that music, too, because it wasn't stock. It was it was listed. Did you watch the credits at all? Very little. They were, for, like I said, unremarkable for me. Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm talking about the end credits at the end. Did you kind of Very little. I skimmed. I skimmed. Because yeah. um, that music that you're uh, talking about is called incidental music in the credits, and it was created by somebody you may know, too. So oh, Okay. This is the first of the two Jean Fasano films we were tackling for Fabulous Fasano February. Um, the movie is credited as being directed by a guy by the name of Jack Bravman, um, who was, I guess, itching to do something besides adult films. Oh, is that his? So okay. <laughs> that's his. That was his thing. Okay. Uh, so he enlisted the aid of Fasano. Um, so he basically hired him as like assistant director which basically means he's going to shoot the majority of the movie and he'll do some of the other stuff, maybe the hot tub scene, I guess. Yeah, I think that got kind of killed too, right? Wasn't that supposed to be, well, it was supposed to be like a new... Yeah, yeah. that was funny too. So um, the problem is Fasano came to the set and nobody on the set believed that he was the assistant director and they thought he was just like a rebel rouser. So nobody like cooperated with him and he got a lot of pushback from everybody on the set. So I could imagine like coming in to direct a movie and everybody's like, This who's this fucking guy? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm gonna need a wide establishment shot here, and they're like, I'll do what I want. I know what's going on. Jack, 
Jack, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's like, dude, it's kind of hard to have a like a span of control over a movie when you have a lack of faith or, you know, nobody um nobody adheres to your director um position. You know you what I'm got, saying? You nobody got everyone, actually everyone's yelling your, this in the background. Who's this? Everybody's just saying that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Jack's the director here. You're some fucking lackey that he brought on to like teach him how to make a movie, a real yeah. movie. And I guess this is the real movie. But uh, some of these yeah. people carried carried over to Black Roses too, though, didn't they? Dude, a lot of people from this movie went into Black Roses territory, rock and roll nightmare territory. Um, he only has uh, Fasano only has like seven directing credits to his name. Uh, but he's also a producer and a writer. Uh, he wrote the Universal Soldier sequel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Darkness Falls. He wrote another 48 hours. Crazy. Um, and he wrote the script for this one. So it's clearly, you know, he's learning his craft. And, and you know, but they the must have, to learn something. They must have had some right, affection. They must have had some type of um, connection to him to carry forth into his other projects, though, after this, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Because Rock and Roll Nightmare was first, then Zombie Nightmare, then Black Roses. So having seen this one and Black Roses, which one do you think is the better product? Uh, Oh, man, that is tough. That that might depend on the mood I'm in when I go to watch it. Because I didn't like this the first time I saw it too much, but I kind of did like it the second time. And I don't know why. I couldn't tell you. And then the third time, I kind of landed in between. You're back to, oh, no. But Black Roses I've only seen once. I had a lot of fun with that because we watched it with friends and that's always a different, that's always different than watching it for the show. It's a different experience, yeah, right? Yeah, because I'm not taking notes and stopping in and really paying super close attention. I, I don't know that I can answer that until we've done the show on Black Roses. I'm going to give you that answer when we're done with Fasano February. Okay, perfect. Um, and I don't know if this is a credit to Tubi, but literally it looked like the version on Tubi, I was having tracking problems. Ah, I didn't notice that. This movie, like, look at the intro again when Zombie Nightmare comes on the screen. It looks like you're having tracking problems on your television. Okay. It looks that cheap, but I appreciate it. I don't know if they were going for that aesthetic. Uh, in the digital age, you know, a lot of people are doing that now to make it look like VHS, which is, it's kind of funny, right? We're trying to get the crispest picture possible for everything we do, the deepest blacks and the whitest whites, right, on your screen. And people are making it look like they filmed it on toilet paper. Yeah, I need so. I need those tracking lines in 4K real quick. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, the streaming services now. They're basically reinvigorating and making cable up again because right. that's all we're doing is just going back to the because ca- we go to the streaming services to get rid of the commercials and shit. Now all the streaming services have commercials, so it's basically just like cable. Oh, and some of them are so bad, man. Some of them just put pump so many like Hulu's notorious. They have so many long, long commercials during a show. Tubi really hasn't bothered me too much. They'll throw a couple thirty second um, breaks in now and then, but I don't think they're as bad as some of the other big name services that you have to pay for. And Tubi's free, so go figure. Tubi's completely free, and it seems like they work really hard to work in their... Because I never get disrupted by their commercials. They do it it's in like a good time in the movie. It's like they work into perfect yeah. like, seg, you know, breaks in the movie yep. a lot of times. So, Why aren't we sponsored um, by Tubi? Somebody? Anybody? Somebody? Can somebody at Tubi give us a call? Anybody? Um, anyway, I did notice that Tia Carrera, Adam West, and John... Michael, Thor, are all in the same cast, which is like, dude, like... How? How? (laughs) What is going on here? (laughs) It's a bizarre world. Of course, you know, I'm sure Adam West, he's in a movie called Zombie Nightmare in, you know, 1987. I'm sure this isn't his finest hour. He's probably taking whatever he... Yeah, he was probably uh, taking whatever he can, but... 
Peter Carrera, I think this is like one of her first movies. It's her very first Not movie. Not her first. No, it is her first. Is it? Yeah, it's built it? as her first, yeah. yeah. Good for her. Yep. You think she kept that on her resume? I mean, we, you think when I, she I went would, in to read for Wayne's World, she was like, "Well, let well, me pull out this. Uh, <laughs> let me pull out this scene from Zombie Nightmare where I get killed by having my face smashed into a piece of glass and I blow red Kool Aid." I don't know if you guys are familiar with my work in Zombie Nightmare. But here's a teaser. <laughs> yeah. So I guess before that, she had done some TV shows. I think she did Tour of Duty and Airwolf. Um, where I know she got a whiff of that crop test, Dom's crop test. <laughs> so, uh, um. And I think she was in the A-Team, where the, probably the only thing sexier on that show ever was Boy George's performance <laughs> in that bar. <laughs> so, I mean, she's got uh, some stuff. And uh, also, like I said earlier, we need to talk about the fact that it's M-I-K-L, and it seems like it's always capitalized. It's a, Like it's every a, letter, it's like John, capital J-O-H, uh, lowercase O-H-N, Michael, M, capital M, capital I, capital K, capital L, and then Thor, capital T, lowercase h-o-r. It's an it's optical really illusion weird. when you're looking at it because that L looks like a capital I, so it screws up your whole eyes looking at it. <laughs> but what's crazy is every time I see it, I say John Michael Thor. Same. But it's John Michael Thor. Yeah. I've called my son Michael before. Mikhail? I've called him Mocker, everything. Every Mockler, any any variation of Michael any... I could think of, I throw in, yeah. Uh, and then, so... After zombie incantation and John Michael Thor is alive for some reason. So we've, we've jumped right into this. Like we're, we're right into zombie nightmare territory immediately. Um, we get some people playing uh, baseball, just like sleepaway camp. The shorts are short, just yeah. like Steve likes. Them. Not so. as, not as good, but they were, they are passable. Um, and it's basically some kids are like practicing baseball and the coach who we later learn is the, uh, the main protagonist of the movie, Tony's dad, William Washington, he's basically out there doing uh, fielding practice with the kids. Right. Yeah. And that was director John Fasano, by the way. Oh, was it? Cool. He looked like, yeah. uh, he looked like a young big pussy from the Sopranos. If you ask he me. did. He did. He really did. <laughs> and uh, man, his kid is really proud of him for some reason. Like I've never seen a kid more ecstatic about the work his dad was doing with those youngsters out there. Yeah. He's a fan of the coaching, not the players. Yeah, dude, he was ta- he was cheering on his dad like he uh, was taking on the beach at Normandy. Yeah, That's right. how excited <laughs> yeah. he was about this guy. And uh, fun fact, kid, that dude is really not good at hitting fielders, you know, hitting grounders, because those balls, there was a reason there was no long shots, because he was hitting those balls and they were just blooping all over the place. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I, I wouldn't know enough about sports to make that type of, um, <laughs> to make that type of judgment. Oh, there's a lot. If you notice also in the tennis scenes, there wasn't a lot of long or wide shots watching the back and forth between the two. It was like close up shots because they were terrible. Oh, just one hit. Too. I got you. Yeah. Well, that's the way to do it, though. That's a good way to make it happen. Yeah. Just keep it tight yep. so nobody sees. Uh, the kid is Tony Washington, little Tony Washington, who we'll see later on in the film. Uh, that's actor Jesse D'Angelo. Yeah. Uh, also in Fasado Fodder, Black Roses and Rock and Roll Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the, I think that he, in Black Roses, we'll talk about him. He's one of the band members, I believe. Is he? I think so. I think he's the guitarist. So he grew up that much between those two I movies? I think so. I think so. No, no, that was Frank Dietz. That was Frank Dietz. I'm sorry. I had, yeah. him, I had him mixed up on my notes. Because Mr. Dietz is in a lot of shit too, but he's, I mean, dude, he's still working today. Yeah, so. ton of stuff. Um. Anyway, it's more like bad news boars, am I right? Oh, ayo, nice. <laughs> Sorry, I give it. Um, and for some reason, 
there's a young lady of African-American descent admiring the game uh, as two greasers imbibe in ginger ale. Yeah, look, shit. they look like the um, the bad crew from Stand By Me. They got like... Yeah, like it, cigarettes rolled up in their sleeves. And yeah, 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 and their hairs. Yeah. So which, which now I was kind of curious because I was like, well, the beginning didn't look like some kind of period piece or something. What year am I in? So are we in the 60s? Like now I was having a lot of question of like, what is this movie set in? Because it, like I said, it didn't tell you 1967 New York or Buffalo, or whatever. You know, it just kind of throws you in. So when I saw the Greasers, I was kind of expecting maybe a 60s type movie, which it wasn't. But it did 50s, jump around. Maybe very, yeah. Dis- yeah, exactly. Early 60s. It was very jarring. Like I did, it was disjointed. It was, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the casting of this movie too. But it, it's very odd the choices they made. Yeah for this film. Uh, so she's had enough of the game. She decides to leave. And the two greaser guys, we'll call them Kanicki and his pal. Nice. Um, they decide they're going to have some fun. Uh, I guess by doing something stupid and harassing the girl who did nothing, absolutely nothing wrong at all. <laughs> yep. So, um, everybody leaves the practice, you know, the, the Molly, who we learned now, the black girl, I guess we'll go ahead and spoil it. The black girl is Molly McKinby. Um, who is the voodoo priest that we saw at the beginning? Which you would not know. There would be no. We don't way know, to that. know that. We know from, none of that yet. Yeah, right. Right? I guess we should figure it out because she's the only black lady in the movie. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't figure it out. You'd think on the second watch, I it was very clear and obvious, but on my first watch, I had no idea. I kind of figured it out. Yeah, that's not that tough. It wasn't, um, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think afterwards they went to Sizzler for endless steak and shrimp? <laughs> it should have. That what people used to do back then. It should have. Get out of practice. Yeah. Uh, did you also notice uh, John Fasano fuck up the bat, the cool bat thing he was going to do? I didn't. Yeah, he uh, he meets up with his family, his wife Luis and little Tony, and they're going to head out and go do something fun. They're going to walk home. So while they're like packing up their shit to leave. Fasano, the coach, puts the uh, bat in the fence, you know, the old stick it in the fence and let it hang out yeah. there, but it just slides out and falls yeah. on the ground, and he looks at it, and he just kind of like, <laughs> the director's probably like, keep it going, rolling. but he's the director, so in his mind, he's like, they're still rolling, this film costs money. Time is money, so people. Keep going. <laughs> Time is money. So he does something really cool, and it doesn't work, and he just looks at it and just walks away from it. Yeah. It's like, ah, well, whatever. I, I kind of like that. So... um. Then we cut back to the hoods being total dipshits drunk on ginger ale. Um, and they decide to stalk and harass and do s- play grab ass with Molly McKimby, I guess. I-, I have no idea. But that's when superstar Little League coach uh, Tony, no, sorry, William, uh, he decides to go full like MMA and WWF at the same time on yeah. the two boys. Because he goes up and he's like, excuse me, fellas. Does there seem to be a problem here? And they're like, beat it, old man. And he decides, he like punches one kid. He kicks the other kid. He heads butts somebody. He like picks one up and does the whirly bird. Yeah. Body slam. Yeah. <laughs> like while he's doing the whirly bird body slam, he like the foot of the kid over his shoulders hits the other kid, knocks him out. Um, so he, he has some pretty decent moves. And I think that was MMA before MMA was even invented. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by the, um, fun and goofiness of that little, of that little, um, that tiny little fight in the movie was probably the best fight in the movie. Now that I think about it, it was the only fight pretty much. Yeah. Cause everything else was pretty one side. Just like a, a weird punch to the stomach that would knock someone out and not connect that type of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, uh, for his efforts of being a hero and taking care of Molly, what happens? He gets stabbed in the gutty wits. 
Yeah, one of the kids brings out a knife and uh, and shanks him up in the side. And the minute he sticks the knife in the guy's kidney, he sp- spits blood out of his mouth. So everybody spit, spits blood out of. After one of the kids gets, um, well, we'll talk about it later. But we'll talk about the unnecessary blood, or as we come to maybe find out later, it was necessary. Kind of necessary. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. We, we need. To there's add nothing. There is absolutely nothing if not that. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So uh, it instantly segues right to now, thirty uh, year old chemically enhanced Tony with a terrible wig, or is that not a wig? But because he almost looked like the guy from uh, it's Sam Rykoff. It's Sam Rykoff is what I saw. Sam Rykoff, yeah, right? yes, <laughs> yeah, the Sam Rykoff wig. <laughs> yeah. But but you yeah. don't know that it's Tony. Like they they don't no, they, they didn't no. call they him by name really. Yeah. They don't. I don't. Do they zoom in on little Tony's face before they Never. transition to? No. I don't think they even do that because that would have been the the appropriate way to handle that. Like Tony, little baby Tony is like crying. My daddy's hurt, and then you know it. He's got tears streaming down his face, and then it transitions to Tony at the bat, but it's sweat streaming down his face. Yeah, like 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 a dream wipe sequence. Um, or, yeah, or something. Even just say his name a little more in the beginning to kind of clue you. This is little Tony, little Tony, and then when you transition to the baseball bat, hit him, Tony, get it, Tony. You know, if you could just make the name even the same, you would know it's the same kid. But at this point, you don't know if this is. Another baseball player in the same year in the same town? Is it is it the son of the guy that just got killed? Is it some other actor? Is it the bad guy? You have no clue who he is or what year we're in or if any time has passed. And that was a, that was a mess. You know, we talk about 10 to midnight, like them not leading you along and telling you everything. But this is one of those situations where... Like, hey, we probably could use a little help. Well, that ne- it needs to be done deftly and expertly. There's a big difference between disjointed and um and giving you breadcrumbs to follow your own trail, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in the in the uh, script here, right? For sure. But do I care? Um, I'm not sure. No, I care. Yeah, I care because um that's what make makes a movie good. <laughs> it's like yeah, you know, having that little extra something with your script and good dialogue which there wasn't any of that in this movie <laughs> yeah there it's tough man because the first time i watched this i had a lot of trouble with it the second time when i didn't care as much and i knew what to expect i did have a lot of fun with it and i don't know really why it could be just the mood i was in too sometimes you're in the, you're in be, yeah. sometimes you're in the mood for some for some um stanky cheese and other times you're not so yeah, well I plus know. i noticed too like when i'm watching something for the show and i'm really in the weeds on it like it changes your perception of the movie anyway, right? Because yeah, really we're going to be talking about it yeah. and stuff like that, so it changes. Uh, is that an all ages league? Because I'm pretty sure the pitcher was 40. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, again, see, with the, everybody's ages were screwed up. The time was screwed up. The actually the year that they were in was unknown and screwed up. So it was kind of it was kind of hard to fix the first time around. It was kind of hard to fix it in my brain of what was happening. Well, I, I was thinking you were right. It, supposed to have you know the beginning is in the 50s now they're in the 80s so he's older now still lives with his mom apparently but that much older dude i mean he <laughs> well i mean you have to because you hired john michael thor um so anyway he wins the game at his at bat and uh he heads home with those gray sweatpants that i guess now we know why all the ladies and all the memes and all the jokes about the gray sweatpants are true wow dude that trouser snake was he was smuggling that thing around in those sweatpants. I didn't want Lynn to walk through at that point. I didn't want to hear what she had to say about it. I was like, uninterested. It was so egregious. I actually sent you a video. <laughs> it was bad. It was definitely. Yeah, like they, they, they should have wrangled that. They should have had a wiener wrangle. He, dude, he, he was smuggling an onion in there for sure. <laughs> Seriously, was that for real? Was that for real? Okay. 
I've thought a lot about this. Let's <laughs> just say so you no. Know. Do you think the? Let me just say this, just real fast. I have to say this. Do you think the prop master before the scene gave him like a fucking uh, a couple of plums and a fucking kibasa sauce? Okay, there? I'm gonna say it is possible, but the way that dude swaggers around and the confidence he had in this movie, I almost think it was real. I think I think I'm leaning towards it was real. He knew it. He was walking. His chest was so far out and his shoulders were so square. How could you not? How could that not be real? <laughs> How tall would you be walking uh, if you had that thing swinging oh, around man. down there? Oh, yeah. It's like a baby arm. It, Good dude, Lord. Anyway, enough of that. It, it could be, could go either way. I'm leaning real. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. I, I guess well, I we may never know. <laughs> right? It's like the uh, arrow effects in movies. I'll never know. Yeah. Uh, so he goes home and he's got, he meets up with Mama Louise and uh, it looks like a, maybe like a, 35 year old woman with old age makeup, which includes like gray hair, fake gray hair, gray wig. Yeah. Gray wig and like some bags like painted on in black under her eyes. I guess they were just trying to show that the mom aged like, but the same actress would be. Yeah, I Uh, guess. I mean, it's no fucking, uh, was it Dick Smith from exorcist for father Marin, but Mm, yeah, (laughs) it's close. Real close. Sure. Sure. Uh, so he, he brags his mom about winning the game, but he's forgotten the goddamn groceries. Uh, so he heads back out to forage for food. Yeah. I, I, the shopkeep. So he, he goes to like the local deli. Is that what it was? Uh, bodega or is it just yeah, like a, one of those local, type deals? Yeah. Whatever. Just like a little place where you can get, you know, scratchers, uh, double decker beers and fucking roller dog. What do they call them? Tornadoes off the roller. Dude, that. That that guy, I, I should have taken a cut of him. Really, the the Italian guy. I'm gonna put a guess behind the counter. Like he started everything with "Mamma Mia!" Oh, Tony, your mama loves the cheese. "Mamma Mia!" <laughs> Great dude. That was that guy was killing me. Yeah, uh, he was funny as shit. You forgot though. Before he even gets to the store, they go to the group of baddies or oh, villains or the gang in the movie. The They're gang, in some yeah. nightclub called. Jades or Jodies or Jackals. That was the worst neon the, sign I've ever seen. That nightclub was not popping. There was nothing going on there. It was It was uh everybody dancing to Aha or uh, Toto probably. A bunch of white people wearing suits and like not a good scene. And then when you see the gang in the corner it almost looks like the Lost Boys had seeped into the yeah, Wall yeah. Street movie because you got like uh Jimbo with his fucking uh, Kiefer Sutherland Lost Boys haircut. Yep. Intentional or unintentional, but that's about the same time that movie came out. Just saying. Uh, and uh, everybody else is full on like Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen, and in, in Wall Street, like dressed to the nines in their business suits. They just left their offices where they were fucking everybody out of their money, and now they're letting off some steam. Yeah, it, the kids didn't match the scene. I guess that was the point. And he's he's a uh, wielding a knife around like. Which made me think right away that this is the same kid from that they killed Tony's dad. You know what I'm saying? Because he had the knife out and the kid killed him with a knife. So I'm thinking yeah, I didn't know at the time. Actual, it, a great inference. Like yeah. it would make sense, right? It, it made kind of more sense later. than what happened. But yes, yeah. The, the time the time frame is off it for is, that kid. Right. So, but I did realize that Tia Carrera is in the group. She is very charismatic, and she does have something that the rest of them don't. And what is She's that? Just, there's a little bit of extra talent. Oh, for sure. I thought you meant in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Or her boobs, like, <laughs> dude. Whatever. I, I, I'll, I've always, I've always been a big fan of Tia Carrera. I think she's. I, I'm surprised she wasn't a bigger star because I think she's a really talented lady. I like her singing, Absolutely. her acting, everything. I wonder. I mean, not that she wasn't a star. She obviously. I mean, we're talking about her. And she was, but I, I think she could have been 
like bigger star. I, and she should have been a bigger star, I think. Superstar, perhaps? Even in this movie, she was good, and she had no right to be good in this movie. So, yeah. She brought it, man. Yeah. And uh, anyway, because of all their knife play and grab ass, and they get kicked out of the club by the bouncer. Yeah, as they should. And, they, and it sets up, too, that, that Jimbo is a... Um, asshole? A, bull, a bully, but only a bully to, I guess, people he thinks he can get over, right? Because he, he's talking about how... Um, you know, he 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 gets into it. One of the guys who's like, "Hey, kids, can you calm down? We're trying to enjoy a nightclub." I don't understand. He bumps into him or something, doesn't he? Like they're nah, they're sitting back to back or something. Yeah, some weird shit. And then you know he's like, "Only the tough guys survive." And then the bouncer comes over, who's bigger than him, and kicks him out. And you can kind of it's kind of setting oh, him up is that, is that is that dude that's got maybe a complex about definitely women. You find out later, but also about size. Um, bigger the guy, he was aggravated at people laughing at him. He didn't like people seeing him not do well with the ladies. So it kind of set his character up early as the they actually make fun of him a little bit too. Cause he's like, man, I should have taken that guy out with a, you know, one, two. And yeah. His buddies are like, man, you had your chance. You didn't do shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you just, you just got kicked out. Right. Yeah. So they, they do what every responsible teenage gang of that nature do. And they drive home sloshed. Yep. And the stupid banter as they're loading up in the car. Terrible. Insufferable 80s trash dialogue. Terrible, bro. Meaningless. Completely yeah. meaningless. Oh, it was horrible, dude. It was so bad. It was like, um, why don't you go soak your head? You know, just like the worst. <laughs> That's not what your mom said. You know, just like the worst. Oh, it was so bad, dude. It was so bad. Uh, and then it cuts to uh, performance-enhanced Tony. Uh, buying the grubs, he chops it up with that grocer. Oh, uh, Mamma Mia, that guy. Uh, the local spag- is he at the local spaghetti factory? Spaghettiatorium. Like, <laughs> the stereotypical Italian guy who has to go- has to gobble the ghoul in the spicy meatballs. Oh my god, that guy was killing me, bro. <laughs> it's a me and a Mario. <laughs> that guy was hilarious, bro. That voice was almost cute. as good as that dude was the medical examiner. The I, I, I did have a cut of him. I'll play him yeah. later. But this Italian guy was killing me, man. I was laughing the whole time. <laughs> Uh, and then a couple of schlubs just come in and rob the joint and they get, uh, dealt with appropriately by good old Tony Tone. That um, fights. <laughs> the, <in-action scenes. laughs> the dude's holding the gun at him point blank, like three feet away. He does a left and a right. Like he's going to juke him to football. Like, <laughs> like it's around him. <laughs> it was like watching oh, like so a make a wish kid wrestle anyone from the WCW. Oh, <laughs> like this enormous guy. And none of them know how their oh, body so works. Good. Cause he's like, there's a scene where he's like holding the guy's gun down while he's punching him across the face. And like the way he's holding the gun down, the guy could easily just like pull oh, it away and oh, shoot God. him with it. But he's just like, he's it's so enamored terrible. with Tony's size and stature, stature and like <laughs> yeah. expert martial arts skills. <laughs> Uh, it's like the old, you know, eighties movies. That that's why, you know, Asian action movies were so much better is because the the action was frenetic. Whereas in American action movies, it's like guys waiting up, you know, in a queue waiting to get punched. One punch. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and the shopkeep was um was apologizing to uh Tony how he, he forgot his mom's provolone and he would say it differently. He'd be like, Oh, I forgot the provolone and then the next scene, oh the provolone. Like he would mess up the word. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, I'm pretty sure um, Tony had already got that summer sausage in his pocket because he was smuggling that thing out. (laughs) He was smuggling it out. He didn't forget that for sure. He had that ready to go. (laughs) Uh, I've only got three three out of the four pepperonis left in the the display display case. I'm missing a salami. Tony, is that a salami in your pocket? (laughs) Hey, oh, hey, mama mia. (laughs) 
that fight scene was like me playing with my GI Joes as a ten. Oh my god, that's how was, good the fight scene was. It was, it was bad, bro. It was bad. Uh, it completely ridiculous. Thor's codpiece was the star again of that entire scene. Could have knocked him out with that thing. Uh, and then uh, apparently the pasta is on the house. Give it the mama your best. Yeah, Grazi. yeah. Take that then, the salami uh, out of here. He's <laughs> your mommy's provolone. <laughs> and then drunk, uh, the guys run over Tony. Yeah, the, the drunk kid. So Tony actually does deal with the um, the robbers, the would-be robbers. He literally <laughs> calls it a night. He kicks them out of the, the yeah. store. Right, and as he's leaving, the drunk kids that just left the club that we were just talking about just blast over him in his car, but you don't get to really see it, so it wasn't really spectacular. It was just, it was what it was. It was this stunt guy. It's no uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 car stunt, for sure. <laughs> Ooh, no. I mean, it, listen, when you got a national treasure like John Michael Thor... Michael Thor, like you want to make sure you, that guy comes out okay because he's got a lot of movies ahead of him. So, yeah, I mean, he John has a, he has Thor a presence. Is almost like the guy from um, Windy City Heat to me. I don't know what that one is. You've never seen Windy City Heat? I don't think so. No. Okay, Windy City Heat is like it's a movie. I think it's on YouTube. You can find it there. You can buy it on DVD. But it was an elaborate prank played on this guy. He was a he was kind of a no name actor in Hollywood. And so like Bobcat Goldthwait and all these guys create this elaborate scheme where this dude goes into audition for a movie called windy city heat. Right. When he walks in for the audition, they actually have like big stars walking out of the audition and the directors like crossing their name, like Chris Evans crossing their oh, name nice. out. No good. Yeah. So they invite the schlub in to, to audition for the movie. And of course he gets the movie, but it's all part of the plan because on the set they're continuously fucking with this dude. <laughs> Is it is it good? And, like watchable? Oh, it's it's dude, it's fucking hilarious okay. because this guy there there's a scene where he keeps getting thrown into the dumpster, right? And they're filming the movie, so literally they keep throwing him in the dumpster and director Bobcat Goldthwait. Dude, just so you know, there's no cameras on the set. So he's doing all this, filming a movie, and there's not even cameras on the set, but he still believes he's making a movie. Oh man. So they keep throwing him in the dumpster and Bobcat's like, It's not real enough. We need more coffee grounds in there, banana peels, like old meat. They keep throwing him in the fucking dumpster. And, dude, this is like some like forty late 40s, early 50s schlub, like out of shape guy. And he keeps getting thrown in the dumpster by this big-ass stuntman. And so they're finally like, hey, man, uh, can you keep this up? And he's like, this is really hard. And they're like, would you like a stuntman? And he was like, yeah. Why, why wasn't that an option before? So they bring in the stuntman. They do the shot with no cameras in one take, get it in the can. And then the very next scene is like his love scene with this hot-ass fucking bitch. So they feed him pizza. He's lactose intolerant in the fucking in the in the uh, chow hall. So he he he's kind of you know self conscious about the fact that he's got bubble guts and he's about to film this scene with this chick, right? But he's going to make it work for the craft. And then they advise him that he's not going to be doing the love scene. The stunt guy is going to be stunt doing dick. the love scene. They brought in the stunt he's dick. He's into the stunt guy, and he's so fucking mad, dude. So he he gets the dumpster scene and not the sex scene. That's great, dude. He and then they they had the premiere and the producer and his buddies. Dude, the whole thing is just an elaborate set set up to just Crazy. fuck with this dude. And his reactions are solid fucking gold, dude. Okay, all right, thank you. Yeah, you need to watch it. But anyway, that reminds me of like John Michael Thor on the set of this movie. Like, does he really is? Does he realize he's making a movie? <laughs> it's just he's the the main character from Windy City Heat in this movie for me. It's just like. He doesn't have the necessary chops, but he has the look. He has so the presence. Trying, yeah, he has the 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 physical presence and the look, but that's about it. Right, I could totally see <laughs> you know that. Yeah, 
Because when How he was on screen, were like that, where they had this amazing look, and then you put him in front of the camera, and all the pizzazz is just gone. Right. Yeah, he because when he was on screen, you were paying attention to him. You know, even with with or without that huge salami in his pants, he was still. He's a huge guy. He had a huge, I think, fake head of hair. He's smiling well, the he whole time. He definitely had too. a fake head of hair in the movie, but I mean, he's got like long blonde hair. Kind of looks like uh, he would be the perfect. Uh, for a Roger Corman version of Masters of the Universe, he did oh, the perfect he yeah, that told, yeah, he yeah, very very good good pull right, right there. But, but he was almost smiling the whole time too, like like he was surprised he was there, kind of. That made sense. Like his emotions didn't didn't match what was going to, on. He's just happy to be on set, getting the free craft services. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, whatever. He, he actually lived in his his makeup trailer for the entire shoot of three days. Yeah, it was it was such a weird mix of. of of stuff going on in this movie, dude. Wow. So after somebody so beloved, the main star of the movie gets hit by a car, what is the most, um, obvious thing that someone would do in a movie? Yeah. yeah. Well, somebody has um, been hit by a car. You would think, but fuck the hospital. They're, they're like, Hey, let's take him to his mom's house. And they flag down some passerby or, and, and take him home instead. They take him home in a body bag. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like they show up, and they got him wrapped up in like this body bag. And as soon as he shows up, his mom somehow, without any explanation from anybody, knows exactly what's happened. I know. Oh, you know what? It was because I think I saw a little like a uh, rigor mortis had set in, and then sweatpants. Because I remember seeing it in the bag. <laughs> oh my god! Even then, when he was laying down, it was like popping out like a gopher. <laughs> That's no, no, it was. Not. Oh no, dude, it was. It was a little meerkat sticking out of that thing. <laughs> Uh, totally. Uh, okay, well, I guess for the rest of the movie, I'll talk about that, and you talk about his back. <laughs> That's all I could think about. Dude, like, they literally load him up in a car, take him to Mama Louise's house, and she's like, those motherfuckers. They got him. They ran. <laughs> they got him. They finally got him, those sons of bitches. Like, how bad is that gang in that neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And what's the beef that that gang has with? Michael Micklethor. They're just like, a rowdy happening? bunch. They're a rowdy bunch of kids. They sure are. So she tells them, you go fetch Molly McKimby. And that's somebody we're already f- familiar with. So now we have Tina Turner looking Molly McKimby, not young, young, uh, innocent girl, Molly McKimby. Yeah, I didn't. Early but again, I didn't know that at this nigga. point. At this point, I was still in the dark on that on my first watch. I had no clue. I still don't know what year we were in, so I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so... The car full of kids who all the, the kids in the car are Jimbo, the main la douche, Peter, Susie, Bob, and Amy, typical just standard name, regular name. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, they pull into town and they express deep remorse and sorrow about what has just transpired. Incorrect. Uh, no, uh, they are all turds that have a new taste for murder now. Well, I would say Jimbo, Jim would be the one, right? Because they're, they're, the other ones are kind of freaked out by the whole ordeal. And, and he's talking about it freely and openly. And they're like, man, shut the fuck up. And he's like, no, nah, man, I feel great. I feel alive. I big candle, man. Yeah, I feel alive. Yeah, so he... That now dude he, didn't look so tall when I got through with right? him, man. <laughs> yeah, so now Christ. I think... He's he's definitely being set up as the uh you know the bad guy of the, of the group and the film really I really don't understand why the other people in the group were bad well I mean they were they didn't report it but they were taking like tennis lessons and having tea and shit they didn't strike me as a bad crowd well, dude they, it was very uh, everybody is very bipolar because they their emotions are unregulated and uh, we have no idea what 
level they're at whenever we meet up with them because sometimes they're so nervous they think that death is right around the corner and the other times they're like ah forget about it yeah especially amy uh, with tia carrera was play- uh, amy was played by tia carrera especially her boyfriend he was all over the place of sometimes he was let's go get some slutty chicks other time it was like he was he, he was a probably mama's all go boy. to church to pray for that guy we hit by the car back there yeah right right or he'd be working out in his room and he was you know talking nice to his mom it was it was very uh disjointed there too right uh, so we had that little scene about, you know, them being proud of, or Jim being proud of what he's done. And then, uh, basically Molly shows up with mama Louise and she has to repay her debt, which her debt is Tony's dad. William was the coach that sacrificed his life to save her from whatever was about to happen to her. Right. But just so happens Molly McKinby is now like a very well-known voodoo witch. Yeah, you, you spoiled the, the hell out of that, power. though, man, because I really didn't get that the first watch like until the end. Like that was, I was like, oh, shit. No? I no, I didn't. I had no clue. Okay. Well, I just kind of figured maybe I read up too much about it or whatever, but that's pretty quick. And uh, what's up with that warbling delivery, man? Seriously, it's undecipherable without subtitles. It, like, it, you could not figure out what she was saying. I was reading everything she was saying, and it didn't appear to match what was coming out of her mouth at all. It, it was, it, you know what it reminded me of? I, I even wrote it down. It, it, like, was she driving over a bumpy road the whole time she was talking or possibly speaking into an oscillating like thing? somebody is doing yeah. this with their throat. We need the blood of a live animal. Like that, that type of but thing. But you would know she on. said that because it would be, so th- we need the blood of a live animal. It sounds more like, we need the blood of a live animal. And yeah. So the only reason I knew she said that was because of the subtitles. Yeah, it was, it was. If fun question mark weird question mark how do you want to odd weird okay. weird do you think any of that was in the script of, of her like little spells and stuff well I, think, I mean she did john's it was like just make some shit up make it sound good I, and she's like well this is what i brought to the table and john's like perfect let's get that on screen let's go that's kind of my feeling because she did it so much in the movie that i would think at some point they would have said like that's not working if they didn't want her to continue that way or if they didn't accept it that's going to be the delivery so I did take a cut of the incantation, do you, but if you want, I'll wait till we get to that, unless you're at that part yet. Uh, so she sends out Earl and Jimmy to get the uh, the animal blood. She's about to do like this crazy magic trick, whatever. We don't know. Uh, she tells everybody, don't ever tell anybody what I'm about to do. She then puts on some like ceremonial makeup that makes her look like Sven Gulli, like the midnight Midwest movie host. Have you ever seen Sven Gulli? Like Baron Zametti is what she looked like. Too. <laughs> Count Cool, cool yeah, Rider. Yeah. Um, Pull up a picture of Sven Gulli and tell me if you don't agree with me on that. Anyway, um, Tony isn't coming back like he should. It's more like of a uh, like a pet cemetery reinvigoration. Am I right? Yeah. He comes back, but it's not t- regular Tony. It's undead zombie Tony that's um, uncommunicative and doesn't speak and just growls and. I was kind of cool with his makeup. For the most part, I mean, some scenes it looked better than others. It, it didn't look the same in every scene either. I don't know if you caught that, but sometimes it was really kind of detailed, and other times it was just a mask. Um, oh, dude! Every, sometimes like he had full-on zombie hand gloves, and other times it was just like gray paint on his yeah. fingernails and shit. Like it I didn't was all hate it play. though. I kind of liked the face, the uh, of all the stuff in the movie that uh, that one. I kind of did like the effect on it, the face. I guess it's it's certain scenes. Can I just get a a t-shirt with zombie Tony coming out of that coffin? That'd be a good one. Just that milky eyes and those gnarled fingers. Dude, that was crazy. Um, Do you want the incantation? Do you want to hear the the voice? 
Let's go ahead and do it. She resurrects him. Let's get out of the way. He was supposed to give me some dope fruit. No, 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 wrong bad accent. Hold on. That was Punisher Warzone bad. I, I labeled my cut bad accent and I, I pulled McKinsey. the wrong one. <laughs> that was McKinsey. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got the. I got a lot of bad accents here. Hold on. Here's this one. Isaac and young warrior. And feel again the warm. One night to the bright place. And avenge I said. That was really one of the clearer things that she said because some of I it was- still didn't catch everything she said. Like rise. You something about go to the light. Did, you're I thought a she called him William. Did she call him William? Warrior. Warrior. Oh, warrior. No, oh, I also have this. Who the fuck are these folks? I got a lot of bad accent cuts. So. <laughs> that's a guy from the fucking. That's a guy. That's a guy from the the store after Tony got hit yeah, by the car. <laughs> like, so he sees a car drive by, hit Tony, and then he says, "Who the fuck are these folks?" <laughs> It's Punisher War Zone, but it sure fits. <laughs> it's just like a glove. Uh, and then uh, I did call him. I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if I said it, but Zamboni. Oh, uh, that's good. That's not bad. It's like zombie and Tony. Yeah, like a Zamboni. Good. <laughs> so anyway, good. Um, but this time as a zombie, he gets armed with a baseball bat. That's his like weapon of choice. Which is I mean, odd. I guess he was a baseball player in real life. Maybe, I guess. Yeah, yeah. so like if I was a fucking... Uh, if I was a lacrosse player, would you yep. give me the lacrosse stick? Yep. Or? Yeah, if you were a ping pong player, you'd be paddling these motherfuckers to death, I think. You'd have no choice. <laughs> was that his answer? Like, listen, Jason's got the hockey mask. Yeah. We're going to make the baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a baseball bat will fuck you up, but you just don't think of that as a zombie weapon is all I'm saying. What's the silliest costume, sports sports-related costume somebody could wear and be a killer at the same time? Oh, gee. How about those... Um, the dudes that do the equestrian what? with the baggy, baggy thighs. <laughs> a riding crop? What about, a riding crop. Like the entire curling team is now zombies. Oh, that's good. So they're walking around with those large stones and nah. the brooms. <laughs> so they put the victim's head on the, on the ice and then they zoom it and brush it to his face and curling. crush it. <laughs> the frozen stone. I wouldn't mind seeing Tony in a singlet. Maybe we could get like a wrestling singlet on him. See what, see what he's really working Not with. Not necessary. <laughs> Not necessary, dude. Uh, and then we cut to now feathery-haired douchey guy who's Jim uh, is treating his mom like a fucking total shit face, dude. Yeah. So Jim is Jim is the bad boy of the group again. The guy that had you know had the knife and ran over everybody. He's now he's treating his mom like shit. Uh, it, it, it really like, cringy. How, how you can tell somebody who treats their mom or their waiter like shit is just yeah. a terrible human being, right? Real cringy scene because. It wasn't like the the insults were very bland and kind of didn't match, I guess, even the setting. It was kind of weird. At one point, he even spit spaghetti in her face. Not spit. He threw a handful of spaghetti in her face. <laughs> More on that later. Okay, well, she's very prophetic because she tells him, uh, you keep acting like this, you're not going to make it to your next birthday. Yeah, and she was right. And then he decides to leave the house in a car, another car, because the other one's getting worked on. Uh, but he basically starts driving down the road like the old guy from Roadhouse. He did, we got the extended director's cut of him driving uh, 
I, it, I think I timed minutes. it. Like almost I timed, yeah, I timed it. Like it was, jack off. Yeah, it, and they end up at the Twist and Cream, which <laughs> was also... <laughs> I, with that. Wasn't that also uh, Doc's old high school wrestling name? The Twist and Cream, dude? Wasn't that your old move? Yeah. Shit? <laughs> uh, I got one way to submit you. Uh, <laughs> twist and Creamer. <laughs> that might be a t-shirt. Uh, I'll have to look at that. He's not very good about uh, OPSEC or keeping his goddamn mouth shut, dude. <laughs> I think he, he like get- shows up at the Twist and Cream like, good morning, killers. Yeah, I think that's what he said, right? Like, hey, killers, what's up? <laughs> hey, killers. <laughs> My dad's car's in the shop for that, you know, for that uh, hit and run with fatality we did yesterday. That murder we did. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that, guys? They're all like, yeah. So, and then, so he talks about that a little bit, and then we immediately go to, um, Peter and Susie sucking at tennis, and then Peter and Susie sucking each other's face. <laughs> that was also the extended uh, director's cut of his tennis lesson, so we got that. <laughs> got, got them both sucking at that. Um, and then it, it's weird because while they're playing tennis, you have some Molly McKimby doing some dark magic shit, and it, it, I guess they're trying to make it seem like she's uh, sending some sort of psychic signal, signal to Zombie Thor to let him know where the kids are at so he can hone in on his targets. Um, and then we get, like... So it cuts immediately to them playing tennis outside and then Molly McKimby doing some sort of spell. And then a point of view shot shot at night of like somebody rambling towards a business office. We we got, we got, we're treated to another extended director's cut of a zombie walking to the YMCA. We get a whole minute and a half of that. I guess, but I mean, maybe showing us that building before they played tennis would help us know that would, he's at the same place probably, that yeah. Susie and Peter are at. Might have helped. Yeah, might have helped. I mean, there was a lot of time point, in there to do something. You're like, what, what's happening? They were playing tennis outside. It was broad daylight. Then Molly McKimby does a spell. Then at night, there's somebody walking towards a building. And then okay. they're in a jacuzzi. Huh? Then, they're, then they're in a jacuzzi. Oh yeah, then it goes right to Peter and Susie engaging in like a uh, post tennis makeout session uh, in their chonies in the hot tub, which was supposed to be nudity at that scene. But the actress who was playing Susie, her dad was on the set. I saw that. That was funny, dude. That that's no mistake, by the way. That's that's on purpose. Oh, do you think she was like, Dad? You got to come on set. I am not showing the girls off to anybody. And if you're there, they won't ask me to do it. And he's like, All right. Well, it could have been that, or or I think it also could have been him finding out that, or thinking, hey, I think they're going to try to get her naked. I'm showing up to make sure they don't. That could have been on him, too. Yeah. Like, a dad who's a, a good steward of his daughter's career. Yeah. Like, hey, you don't start off making Zombie Nightmare and showing off the ladies and then asking for more money later. Yeah. But there are quite a few ladies that have done that in their careers and have done quite well. Yeah, but I think as a dad, he made the right move. I think he showed up yeah. and stopped the hijinkery from happening. And so instead, instead, yeah, instead. So, so for a movie made by, for a movie made by somebody, I guess that has a history of making sexy time scenes. That was the unsexiest sexy time scene. <laughs> Cause it's like, he doesn't even dude. Imagine trying to make out with a chick. She's in her underwear and bra in a jacuzzi. You're in your whitey tighties. You're having to film the sexy scene and guys, girls, dads, like 10 feet away, like harumphing every time you do anything. Oh, dude. And well, his his whole sexy move was rubbing her arms, like her biceps, on either side. Like he would just take his hands and rub from like her shoulder to her elbow. That was the extent of it. Well, he like awkwardly pet kisses her and just like spits water at her. I saw that. <laughs> and then she hears a noise, 
And he's like, listen, there's nobody in here except for that weird janitor who reads Fangoria magazine. Ah, yeah, he did have Fangoria. It's funny. Yeah, he he may be trying to, oh, with uh, uh, Maximum Overdrive on the cover. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, he, he came in at one point to make sure that Peter was going to lock up. And he's like, oh, I'm going to lock it up, all right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you know. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he's saying it's just the janitor trying to get a look at your ladies. At the uh, at your Titas, and she's like, "No, that's a really dangerous sounding noise. Can you please go investigate?" And he does so, and he is uh, summarily dispatched by Thor Zombie. That's when you get the the, most- that's that super close up of that soggy wiener because they do a like a straight in the in the camera crotch shot of him in those. He whiteies. walks by, and his full crotch goes into the camera, and then as he passes the camera, it's a close up of the girl's face. So very artistic, yeah, very right. very yeah. artistic. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then Thor Zombie actually just breaks Peter's neck. Zero fun in that. He he just reaches out with two hands and, you know, the celery stalk crackle and that's this end scene. Okay, so a lot of things going on here. He throws him into the jacuzzi and there's blood in the water yeah, no, for some reason. Wrong. He doesn't do shit to him, does he? I thought he just cracked his neck and let him drop. Well, he goes in the water cuz remember when he goes in the water, he's got blood in the water. I remember saying like why is there blood in the water? He broke his neck. Oh, and you're then right. later yeah, yeah. You're right. the ME tells him like, "Oh, so uh, I guess you saw our female victim. Right. The other guy were fishing out of the hot tub." You're right. There. You're right. So she does. He does throw him, throw him in the water. But so with the zombie, you're right. There's various stages of zombification in his face makeup. I think it's a mask, not makeup. By the way, it looks more like a mask to me. I, yeah, but I his think. hands, like I said, we were talking about. Sometimes they're just regular hands. I guess it depends on what type of action zombie thor is doing like if it's a heavy action scene he's got to have his bare hands so he can move but if it's just walking around he's got the regular zombie hand gloves so it looks good um but the one thing i have a problem with is is the zombie costume he's wearing the same outfit he wore at baseball practice he's wearing the gray sweats yeah everything's gray sweats cut off to make like three quarters pants socks up to his fucking asshole uh so they buried him in that is what you're telling me yeah, so that kind of answers my question, right? So, like, if you die, is that what your ghost is going to be wearing in the afterlife? Shit, I'll be wearing dickies and a white t-shirt. That's it. Dude, I was thinking about that. So, imagine your house being haunted by the spirit of a 90s teenager, right? Who died while rollerblading in, like, a horrific hit-and-run accident. Like he did. Okay? Yeah. So, his, his, his spirit is forced to linger on this earth for all eternity in his blades. He's got his Jinko jeans with a yeah. chain wallet. He's got a Limp Biscuit t-shirt with yeah. the upside-down visor and tongue ring. Like, not very scary. So, do you think ghosts have the opportunity to go to the ghost wardrobe where they can grab something a little bit more 1800-ish before they go out? I would say, well, based on based on Beetlejuice, which I'm going to use as, as my uh, ghost dictionary, because they did have the handbook for the recently deceased in there. Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. they were all in. Remember the pageant gear and the and the uh, the base. The football team was wearing the Scuba football helmet. Diver, so yes, yeah, so. I'm going to say that is how you're stuck. And then obviously Alec Baldwin and uh, Gina Davis, they were in their clothes that they died in the yep. accident with and stuff. But still, like I would rather have the option because if I die right now, I've got like a Danzig hoodie on with a pair of sweatpants. Like that's not very scary. It isn't, but I think you're 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 stuck with it. I don't think you have a choice. Okay, well, well, we're screwed. I'm going to start dressing like uh, uh, Vincent Price everywhere I go. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. That's why I always say, like, make sure you're wearing clean underwear if you die. 
So that's probably why right there. So you don't want to be stuck with dirty underwear the whole time you're a ghost. Dude, either. I'll tell you, I did have an incident one time where I had a medical emergency. I got taken to the emergency room and I remember how shocked and embarrassed I was when I'm laying on the emergency table. I'm, you know, I've got, I've got to get stitches in my face. Right. And so for some reason they're making me take off my shoes and all this shit. And uh, when they take off my shoes, my sock has a hole in it. Oh. And my friend made fun of me, dude. He's like, oh, look at this guy. Fucking holes in his sock. And dude, I don't know why this sock had a hole in it. I don't wear holy socks. It's not me. Just that one know? day. That one Just that time. one day. <laughs> my fucking big toes flopping out. Probably that, you know, fucking uh, admantium grade fucking toenail. I got on my large toe just slice right through that sock uh, you're like retarded wolverine <laughs> so so um uh it's fucked up i remember when i got home i took a video of me like popping up in the trash can and throwing the socks in the trash and sending it to my buddy it's <laughs> <laughs> the moral so of the bad. story is you need to present yourself as if it's every moment could be your last is what we're getting out yeah, of yeah you need yes. to dress up like a butler or a fucking yeah you know or or like um James Bond everywhere you go because you could die and for several purposes so you look dapper in death yeah and also so you can haunt properly <laughs> correct correct it needs to be a combination of the two and I think shame on Tony's mom for letting him get buried in his in his workout gear that's on her she ain't even buried him yet well he was in a casket he ain't buried that's true but he was in the, listen uh, that's true if you're gonna go out for some uh post-death revenge you probably need to be dressed in some athletic comfort gear <laughs> I guess yeah. So uh, after he kills Peter, now he's chasing Tony the zombie, uh, but he's hitting everything with his baseball bat. And of course, the janitor is dead asleep, not hearing any of it, e- even though he admits later he heard screaming, even though he was asleep. Liar. He's chasing um, Susie at this point, right? So Peter's dead and he's chasing Susie. She's in her bra. With a baseball panties. bat, smashing right. everything, right. right? And we have that uh, 8-bit Nintendo music in the background. <laughs> it was a little off, yeah. So it's a little chase and it's like, beep, boop, 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 uh, and he picks her up with a bat, brace against her throat, and she bleeds out of her mouth. Right. Yep. And uh, and then he smashes her head with the baseball bat. Uh, off off screen. Off screen. Yep. We don't get Dude, to see any. Of how it. how hard is it to put a wig on a watermelon? Seriously, like it it, it would take what Dude, five dollars in like those uh uh by the horns productions where there's a scene where they do something like that and it's literally like a blow dart and a fucking watermelon or yeah. a pumpkin and it looks hilarious. like five 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 dollars worth of props to turn that scene from from me harumphing and being aggravated to me cheering that's all it takes four dollars we don't worth see of any of this action nothing no. we don't see the aftermath you know how hard it would have been to her on the bleacher with her head with blood all over it something we don't get Anything. any of that dude that when she's running around uh it, she turned left at the exit she made it to the exit door big red exit sign and she turned left and, and, continued there. Running. and she she ran into the racquetball courts that had a dead end she, she didn't leave she didn't take the exit <laughs> uh, that's good oh boy so anyway um and i think that's with these low budget movies like this like that's what you need to stick out from the rest that's of the it. garbage you that's need it. like even sam raimi said make an evil dead you got to have the blood we've talked about this dripping off the screen just yes. something happening and we had none of that. Oh, we had you, blood dripping, but it was stupid. But you could do it on the cheap. This doesn't need to... At, at the caliber this movie is and what you're giving me already, you don't need to go that far extra to make it fun. And and it was a missed opportunity because they could have, for very little time and very little effort and very little money, made that kill fun. Uh, I yes. could have made... Look, I'm no movie maker. I'm no actor. I couldn't. I can't do any things these people do. But I'll tell you what. You give me my my iPhone a wig, a baseball bat, and a watermelon, I could make that scene better. And I have no clue what I'm doing. I could have made that scene Let's better. Let's do it. 
I'll grab a wig. You get the watermelon. We're going to do that. I mean, you pick the cheaper of the two. Say again? You pick the cheaper item. I got to get the water. They're expensive now. <laughs> you know how much a, a decent <laughs> wig costs? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. We ain't cheap, man. Yeah. Anyway, um, now we have the police have arrived to investigate this crime scene, and we meet Detective Frank Sorrell, um, who's questioning the janitor. And Frank Sorrell is played by Frank Dietz. Um, he was in Tales of Halloween, which is where Art the Clown got his start. Yeah. Um, the Lost Skeleton Returns Again. Have you ever seen uh, the original? So that's a sequel to The Lost Skeleton of Cadaver. Have you ever I seen that? saw that in the movie theater. The Lost Skeleton of Cadaver? saw it in, in San Diego at a special screening. The one with uh, the Puma Girl. Yeah, with the, with the, the goofy skeletons and shit. Oh, wow. That, yeah. What a treat. How did you get that? They played it as a special with um, Bubba Hotep. It was like a special showing, a double, and I drove all the way to San Diego to watch it with my friends. I would have done that too, man. Yeah. Like that, uh, I would have done that with you. The world's most that, uncomfortable lost... seats, by the way. It was like in some old-ass movie theater that had basically like- Have us. you been to the Sci-Fi Center? No. Is it that bad too? Dude, they got like plastic lawn That's chairs. That's how these are. Yeah, yeah. Bad. <laughs> Like a, it's like it was an adult theater by day and then a cult cinema by night. Yeah. And it just kept the same sticky plastic chairs in there. Yeah, it was super awesome, though. I mean, that that's the type of cheese that I'm looking for when I when I want it, you know. Yeah. But that guy was also in the uh, Black Rock and Roll Rose's Nightmare. Uh, we'll call that the, the trilogy. He was in all of those. Uh, also a producer, an editor. And, dude, he was an animator with some pretty serious creds. He worked on Fantasia 2000, a lot of, like, really high-end Disney films. Nice. So... Yeah, so he's got his little, you know, do his day job and animate, and then at night, star in Zombie Nightmare. Yeah. That's pretty good. We'll, pretty be, good. Uh, we'll be talking about him in the next show, I believe. I think so. And uh, Detective Sorrel does notice Molly in the group of looky-loos that have shown up, uh, but she quickly vanishes, so he just kind of like shrugs it off a little bit. Yeah, just picture know? a whole bunch of really, really stock stock white people like you'd see in like a Macy's ad, and then a voodoo priestess with crazy hair uh, and, and it, right like in the middle the, of them. like like an Abercrombie and Fitch uh, advertisement yeah. with uh, one lady with Tina Turner sticks out like dressed like a voodoo <laughs> princess right in the from, middle from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yes, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Tina Barter Turner Town. dressed like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Barter Town, meet Tina Turner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there was. I maybe as a policeman, I don't know. I would have thought that something was off there too, just by by the look. Are you profiling? I, I was profiling, and he should have been too. <laughs> So, well, I mean, he does some great profiling later when he puts out the APB for the possible suspect. But anyway, <laughs> right. um, the uh, I love it when Sorrel, Detective Sorrel, meets up with the medical examiner. Holy I don't know shit, the guy's that name, guy, that but guy he opens did. up. The medical examiner's got like a um, a tape measure out measuring this crime scene, and Sorrel says, like, uh, wishful thinking there, huh, Larry, or whatever his I name I got the was. cut. I actually have the cut, dude. So, do you really? I had to because that guy was doing. I think he was trying to do a WC Fields impression. It is or does it's that was, Caesar or something? I don't know, dude. But it was great. A rich man is nothing but a poor man with money. See, he was doing one of those. <laughs> I did take a cut of him here. Check this guy out. Well, you probably noticed the lovely lady on her way out. <laughs> now the boys are trying to fish Lover Boy out of a swimming pool full of blood. <laughs> that yeah, guy, I was right. That guy, dude. Right. You were right. That guy was killing me, man. That, dude, that. He had like 30 <laughs> seconds of screen time, but every time he was on the screen, it was so much fun, dude. <laughs> that guy. He ate it up, man. That was great. 
I, I feel bad I didn't research his name or anything, but man, he was golden. He he knows it's a homicide too. Uh, they make up some. They, they actually talk about classifying it as a double suicide at first. <laughs> right. But uh, that would be incorrect because he says double suicide, but then he mentions that the big guy bashes her head in with a baseball bat, which is not a suicide, and then killing himself and then jumping broke jumping his own neck, broke his own neck, and then jumped in the hot broke tub. his own neck yeah. and then jumped in the hot tub in agony and and you know. Uh, uh, he was ashamed of himself, and I was like, yeah. "Well, that's technically a murder suicide." <laughs> so, <laughs> you're not a very good medical examiner. Just saying, um, but it, you're looking for a very large, angry perp. Yeah, that's who we're looking for because it takes that amount of anger and strength, 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 in order to snap somebody's neck like a twig. Yeah, and then we go back to the twist, twist and cream where we learn the gang are learning that. Um, Peter and Susie are now dead from an angel dust overdose. Yeah, they're reading the paper and they're and they're they're saying that like, oh my god, they're saying that that they were druggies and they overdosed, and which obviously doesn't make sense to them or you as a viewer. So that kind of sets up for the next scene, right? So what's tra- strange is, w- uh, listen, angel dust was a little bit ahead of my time. What is angel dust? I thought it was PCP, but I'm not a drug guy. I is that worth looking uh, up? Do I care? I'm looking up right now because it's very suspicious to me. Hang on. I think PCP. What is Angel Death? Oh, you're on a list now, too. Four? Looking up for trying to buy drugs on the dark web or something? I'm just like, what is Angel Death? Because <laughs> for them, to, oh, Angel Death is PCP, okay, correct? Cool. I was right. Hey, look up how to so, make a nuclear bomb real quick. Let me see what that's all about. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's uh, pull that up. Yeah. But what's crazy to me is, like, why would the newspaper specifically say Angel Dust, which is like a street name for PCP? <laughs> well, they're hip. Wouldn't it be like they died from a, a an overdose of fencyclodyne? Wouldn't they say something like that? Why would they use, like, uh, those two, uh, these two victims died from an overdose of uh, whippets? Well, or, well know, the police didn't chugging. say that. The journalist said that. We need to blame no, the journalist. That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Why would an official newspaper list Angel Dust as the overdose? Oh, they're hip and cool. They, they know the street lingo. They're down with it. The vernacular. Yeah. Or maybe the medical exam. Ah, it's, it's angel dust, see? Maybe he gave him one and of they're those. just like, angel dust, okay. And they don't research it on the internet like I just did like because just there did, was no internet, no internet back then. Exactly they would have right. to go to the like Encyclopedia Britannica or the er- yeah. uh, Anarchist Cookbook to figure out what the yeah. fuck angel dust. Yeah, and then the P was checked out because everyone else had a book report on somebody with the last name P, so they had to wait for it like I had to. Piper Paraboo was yeah. their book report, and they were like, "Ah, oh, I got to take the peas." So, anyway, um, they all found that very suspicious and fishy because Jim, uh, Peter, and Susie weren't drug heads; they didn't use drugs. Which they're and the bad kids in town. They're the straight edge bad kids in town. Yeah, and immediately Jim surmises that Tony killed him. Yeah, he knows right like, away from th- from that newspaper story. He's like, "I wonder if it was that guy that we didn't finish off back there, even yeah. though I bragged about killing him several times." Yeah, yeah. Pretty good jump. He's laughing about that whole situation, which I found an odd choice for the character. It fit. His character was, uh, you know, annoying the whole time, and I think by cho- by by design. So I think it kind of fit him the way he had talked to his mom, the way he was, you know, talk- yeah, it was all right. He's like, we just lie and wait and wait for him to come get us, and we take him out. I can't easy wait for peasy. him. Yeah, he's got the. Let stupid me pull knife. out my knife here stupid at the re- at the uh, twist and cream, which is basically like a fucking Dairy Queen, and like just show it to everybody and make Bob anxious and nervous. Not a hundred percent sure, but I think they use different knives too. I was trying to see if it was like the same knife. Originally, I was trying to see if it was the same switchblade from the beginning because I thought it was the same kid. 
but I think it was like one time it was like a kitchen you, knife and one time it was a you bowie say knife. That, you say that and the only thing I think about is like you sitting in front of the computer, like zooming and enhancing and Zoom, pulling enhance. up various databases, yeah. like bowie knives yeah, looking for the exact... That's exactly what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> like NASA control. You got like three computer screens yeah. comparing and enhancing. Yeah, I spend way too much time on it. And then I'm all frustrated when I don't find the answer. It's exactly what I do. <laughs> it's like me looking for how they do arrow effects yes. online. Never God know. damn it. Not one fucking site. But anyway, uh, after he brags about, you know, maybe or he talks about Tony being the killer, he sexually assaults the car hop waitress who's old enough to be his sister. And he says, I've always wanted to make it with my sister, which is the fucking weirdest line in any movie I think which I've ever heard. Almost the cut I took for the trailer in the beginning. It was between the one I played and that. I thought about using that one as well. Dude, totally fucking weird. Yeah. I've always wanted to make it with my sister. Yeah. You'll have it and you'll love it. Yeah, his he he came on to every chick in the most aggressive uh man everything he said was about how big his wiener was, which makes me think it was probably not. Maybe that's why he hated Tony. <laughs> big dick, big dick alert. Yeah. Right <laughs> There's one more down. But it sucked because the 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 um the writing was horrible because it would be like you never seen one this big baby and she'd be like oh yeah I need my microscope and I'm like oh my god oh my god why am I All listening right, so to this now it's time to talk I think about who Jim is the actor can playing we, Jim is. can we can we do the reveal is this the time dude that guy is Sean Levy best known probably right now for the guy that created Stranger Things yes. <laughs> what. He produced oh. Nine at the Museum, Real Steel, <laughs> directed Free Guy, The Adam Project. Uh, dude, the guy has charisma because there's a scene where, like, after he sexually harasses the uh, the the car hop waitress, he like turns to nobody and's like, "Just keep eating your ice cream. What are you looking at, nerds?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I couldn't believe it. He dude. has charisma, dude. He just has some of the most awkward lines to deliver, known to man. It was the the writing the the um the insults that were thrown back and forth in this movie were like the PG, almost PG level, like something you'd see in like home alone or something. They weren't, they didn't match what was the, the tough guy group or what was going on in the movie. And it was cringy at points. Yes, very much so. But I mean, now you're looking at some of the talent that are, that is actually on the set of this. And we and haven't even dude, got, there's another big YouTube? name. We haven't even got to the main, the dude, the title card top build uh, credit in this john micklethor no <laughs> wrong top bill oh, adam west <laughs> adam west <laughs> i'm more interested in john micklethor than i am adam west but, but yeah like but adam that, west is on every dude, is on the front of every poster you see for this week he's not in the movie yet by the way we're over halfway done with the movie he's not even in the movie yet he's top bill uh, we're about to get to it. It's 45 minutes in the movie and we finally get some Adam West action. Oh my God. 45 minutes. in the movie. But dude, like pull up YouTube and just look up like Sean, uh, Sean Levy doing the, um, one shot from stranger things. The last season with the, the, uh, feds and everybody having the gunfight in the yeah. house. And the dude knows what he's doing, man. He's fucking extremely talented. <laughs> like, crazy talented. He's got a lot. Crazy talented dude. I so, mean, stra stranger anyway. things came out of nowhere and hit everybody. Like, no one expected it. No one saw it coming. There was nothing really like it. I mean, it, it, obviously, there's something like it because it was spoofing and riffing on on a bunch of stuff we liked as a kid. But no one had done it that well, um, and no one thought it was going to be. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be that big of a hit as it was. The dude killed it. I thought, dude, how, how great is it that like he got his career started in like you know schlocky '80s horror movies, and he's making Stranger Things, which is 
kind of like a love letter to all of those things. Right. Not the schlocky part, but the 80s horror movies. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. I, mean, so, I remember so, I got, had back surgery and I had like two weeks of just laying in bed and I was watching. I, I like Stranger Things. What's this? Like nobody knew about it. And I watched the first episode and I was hooked. I was telling everybody about it and yeah, it just became a global phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, the anyway. dude from Guardians of the Galaxy, you could say the same thing about him, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his? I'm just escaping right Shock, now. James Gunn. Yeah, the James Gunn. Start he, with he, trauma. Exactly. Yeah, he got his start just in in the schlock schlock cinema for sure. I mean, the definition of schlock cinema, really. Dude, he wrote Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> That's crazy. Man. And Sean Gunn's in that movie, so yeah, I think hey. James Gunn's in it for a couple scenes too. But I mean, that's where he got his start. So yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, anyway, like everybody's got to start somewhere. Tia Carrera's here too. So, man, dude, I'm telling you. It's kind of nice to see this history of, you know, these actors and whatnot, and how, yeah. what they went on to become. Um, but then we meet Adam West, who's, um, he's basically Detective Sorrell's captain, Captain Churchman. And so Sorrell briefs him on the murder intel. Uh, everybody knows who Adam West is. Uh, Batman. He was, uh, isn't, isn't he the uh, mayor and family guy? Yeah, he was Mayor West forever. for a while, yeah. I mean, he's done a ton of stuff. But Batman, I mean, he he made such a name for himself with Batman that, it, it, yeah, I mean that's he is Batman for me. And then we find out that he's also a fucking compulsive liar because he was the one who gave the uh, OD story to the press, which kind of confuses Sorrel. Like, what do you mean? Why would you tell him that? And he goes, "Well, my reasoning is uh, I don't want Peter and Susie's gang member friends to go out looking for revenge." It was a very odd thing. It was like, yeah, the press is going to have a field day with this, and he is chewing on that cigarette and smoking that cigarette between every three words he speaks. He's inhaling and chewing and going crazy on that thing. And every scene he was in, uh, definitely heavy, yeah. heavy smoker, I'd say. What did he die from? I don't know. He was pretty old. I mean, he passed away just a few years ago. I mean, he, he lived long. It's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was just act, smoke acting. Yeah. Which is, uh, you ever think no, of like, is he there was somebody not smoke who's acting. a recovering smoker? Like he quit smoking years ago and they're like, okay, for this scene, you got to smoke a cigarette. And he's like, I don't know, man. Uh, this was no smoke acting, dude. He was chewing and chawing on that thing like I like a seasoned professional. Down, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nicotine patches on everywhere. Um, so their grand decision is a, Detective Sorrell is going to put out an AP, APB for a person large enough to break a another person's neck yeah. so basically every every uh big kid in high school every football player um everybody big who, guy you know practices jujitsu all the construction workers arts. yeah you just yep. get all the guys that are big and round them up and and there are suspects yeah that total seems sense. like uh, makes total sense uh be on the lookout citizens of whatever town we're in and whatever year there's a large angry person that is able to snap your neck if yeah. you know of somebody who could snap necks Please notify local law enforcement immediately or call Crime Stoppers. <laughs> it's pretty much it. So people are like calling in on their abusive husbands. Like, this has got to be the guy. Oh, they, they do pin it on someone later, too. But we'll, they sure we'll do, get there. But we will get there. Uh, more crime is afoot as Jimbo tries to have non-consensual sex with the his stepsister in a pile of trash bags. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Every time somebody in an 80s movie tried to do the big R on somebody, they would always throw them in, like, trash A bags. trash heap. There's always a heap of trash laying around. A heap of trash yeah. where they just start, like, ripping their clothes off. and It's very reminiscent of the RoboCop scene. Yeah, a little bit. Well, good news is it is almost like the RoboCop scene because the uh, toxic Tony Zombie Avenger shows up and brings hell with him. Yeah, brings his bat for another 
And I mean, he did lift him up. The lift up part was kind of cool, I guess. So do you think they used like the same trick from Cannibal Holocaust? So they put like a plate on the front of the bat and then like stuck it up to him real close, covered his shirt up, with, covered up the plate with the shirt and then picked him up off the ground in order to get that scene because that's the only way I mean, imagine being picked up off the ground with that baseball bat that you know poking six inch sternum. diameter thing poking you right in your sternum they had to have like dispersed that weight when he lifted him up in I the did air. um I did look for wires because I was thinking maybe they had something on his britches that kind of hauled him up like a cherry picker um yep but I didn't oh, see no. I didn't see any cords though I didn't see a cables or anything I think so. zombie just zombie Tony just like he might have really given him, him up a heave yeah, yeah he him up big dude I mean yep. he definitely could have pulled it off and, and Sean Levy's a pretty small guy so yeah so i'm confused though because that's when i noticed like the zombie has a wig on clearly it's like a black like short cut business now it's short hair right yeah but didn't he die with long hair yeah so yeah, what yeah. The hell happened? I, that's why i was saying earlier that sometimes he had different stuff on and and i i was thinking back to the mama mia guy at one point uh tony had complained that like oh they, they want me to cut my hair for my new job and the mama mia dude the the provolone guy was like no no if you cut your hair you lose your power i could be reading too much into that but i was thinking maybe the further he got in his kills the less power he had and his hair was getting shorter possibly oh i think you're thinking too far into I it think i so think too. part of the dying process is your hair gets shorter darker and greasier okay yeah i, I tried I like where you're going, but I think you're giving more credit than you do. I did. I tried. <laughs> I think they just like, uh, I got this old zombie mask in the trailer back there. I guess we could use that. It'll be pretty cheap. It'll cost you, you know, 30 yeah. bucks. It's yeah. old. This one has short uh, hair. Then, he had long hair. It's okay. It's fine. It's cheap, you said, right? That's fine. Yeah. Uh, a lot of potential squandered with that kill, though, dude. Oh, it tons. Was so it was so lackluster. And and again, this this dude that he just killed, I thought, I was actually surprised because I thought he'd be the last kill because he's the big bad. Um, and I looked yeah, at the time. Yeah, he's the main target. Yeah, it's like 50 minutes in. I'm like, shoot, we got like 25 more minutes of movie going on here. That threw me. I was like, I thought he'd be the, the, the final, you know, so I was kind of surprised by that. Yep. But I also didn't understand the twist well, would, that you had already that, that you knew. So I guess that that was part. I of just it. I don't understand why they killed him either. Like yeah. he should have been the final kill. Because a good kill. A good we'll find kill. Out, we'll find out. He's the son of somebody important. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Could have had a big standoff. But anyway, um, Detective Sorrel shows up on the scene of the fresh kill. <laughs> Excuse me. And he's basically like, "Well, what were you wearing to the victim there?" Yeah, right. It's like, he well, blames her. Victim well, blaming. Why would you go to the Why would you go to the dumpster with him if yeah. you didn't want to have sex with him? That's She's exactly like, That's exactly what he said. Like, why did you go to the dumpster with him? Like, motherfucker, he took me to the dumpster. What the fuck? What are you talking about? She, she She basically says, like, while while she was being assaulted, she passes out, but she then says that she also saw the killer, and uh, describes you know zombie Tony. And he's like, okay, big big guy, angry too. Okay, he matches the description. Like, can you tell me anything about his race, height, weight, sex, clothing, anything besides the fact that he was a big angry guy that could snap necks easily? That would help me identify this person. He got none of that. None of that. And this, this was another uh, extended director's cut of the victim retelling the assault, the bat story, which I think her telling of it took longer than the actual scene itself. Like when the guy to came take, in and to take place. Yes. I think it took that longer. Yeah. I think it was, I timed out at like a minute or something like that. And the scene was like 25 seconds or something. And then what's noticeable too, is that Molly is lurking around the crime scene again, but this time way more like sticking out like a boner in a speedo. Cause yeah, she's yeah. the only person there. <laughs> and she's doing like the, the, like, like the creepy walk, like she's in Scooby-Doo, like kind of like walking back and forth. <laughs> and so 
very obvious uh, out of place. Curiouser and curiouser, yeah. my friend. Like, yeah. very weird. But uh, that's when it cuts to now we got Bobby getting his swell on in his home gym, talking to Amy on the phone. And um, uh, like we talked about, Tia Carrera, man, what a right. beautiful. What a she great, was a, yeah, she was Was awesome. she ever a model or was she just an actress? Because she, uh, she was beautiful, man. I mean, I know she was a singer for sure. Um, she has a band. Uh, I can't remember the name of the band. I looked it up. Oh, that's time. right. Yeah, yeah. She, she was in the band in Wayne's World, right? Yeah, but she's an she is an actual band as well. Like she plays the bass and she sings and and has her own band. I've looked it up before. She's a really talented lady. But now, um, now that they found Jim dead, Bobby is totally okay because before he was totally freaked out. But now Jim's dead, and he's like, "It's gonna be okay. Nobody's yeah. gonna mess with us." Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like that's it, it what you were so, saying yesterday. So, yeah, like baby, baby, baby. Just is your mom home? Like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, like he was so get her get her cash card. We'll just get the cash card. We're gonna leave town for a little bit. No big deal. Yeah, you know the movie. By the way, fine. after this got a little tedious with the whole uh, Adam West the cop drama. I thought there was there wasn't a lot going on from here forward. Not at all, dude. Yeah. Um, but then it cuts to. Uh, police headquarters where some guy that looks like the My Demon Lover without eyebrows. You ever seen that movie? No, My I Demon haven't. Lover? No. It looks like the guy from My Demon Lover without eyebrows. He's getting the absolute piss stomped out of by all these. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I almost forgot about that scene. Yeah, the guy that they're going to pin these murders on is just some other insane old bad guy uh, who was. Man, that fight was laughable. But yeah, the guy was punching him with an open hand, like he was doing a punch maneuver, but he didn't close his fist. Um, so he was kind of just like touching him with his fingertips in like the punches. A palm strike? No, no, no. He would stop at the fingertips. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not that good. It's <laughs> not that good. It was uh, So what's funny is when they almost have him subdued, right? So Captain Churchman, Adam West, tells uh, Detective Sorrel, that's our guy. Look at that guy. He's insane. He's large enough. Yeah. He's angry enough. I'm sure he's able to snap uh, necks with ease. So he's our guy. Sorrel knows. Case closed. Case closed. Yeah. We're done. Case closed, guys. What's funny is like they almost have him subdued on the ground. There's like eight cops roughing this dude up trying to he's fighting back. They're not just beating him up, but he's fighting back. And as they have him on the ground about to cuff him, Churchman walks over and kicks him right in the face and it gets him up off the ground again, so he's fighting. <laughs> he kicked him back into the action. <laughs> yeah, kicked him back alive. There there's also there's also other policemen and extras in the background that are that are um still doing paperwork. Like <laughs> they're like walking by with a clipboard <laughs> during the fight. It's like a, my favorite cops are the cops in, um, uh, I think it's Blood Feast 2, the sequel to the movie you hated by H. Uh, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't say hate, but yeah. Every scene in that movie, the cops eating something different at a fucking crime scene. Oh, I think that was in so, Blood Feast also. I think he, they were also eating. Yeah, but like this one's way more noticeable because he shows up at the crime scene. Like the first one's a donut, second one's a cheeseburger, then he shows up with like a whole ham. Oh, that's great. You know, bowls of cereal. This is like every scene is just another food item he's eating. That's usually like the coroner too, right? Like in the in the in the oh, movie yeah. watch in all the corners the law and orders eating. or whatever. Yeah, they're SVU. eating a pastrami sandwich for some reason over a dead body. <laughs> like a gynecologist grabbing a roast beef sandwich after oh, handling. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Churchman and Sorrel decided to go out for a drink, and I couldn't tell you what was gleaned from that scene at all. There was nothing. There was no reason for that scene, except for maybe Adam West wanted a couple fingers of gin and, or bourbon or something. Yeah, it, it, that's what I'm saying. It got really slow and tedious now because you just get a bunch of back and forth between um, Sorrel, Frank Sorrel, saying, like, I don't think that's the right guy. This case shouldn't be closed. And Adam West assuring him that the case is closed and he doesn't always talk I'm about it. also making fun of him, too. Yeah, yeah. So it He's was also making fun of him. Kind of 
there there is a slump in this in this area of the movie. Yes. Um and that's when, you know, Sorrel's at home and he's reviewing the photos from the crime scene and that's when he realizes like Molly's the one consistent thing. So he tells Churchman he wants to bring her in for questioning. And uh while he's talking about Molly McKimby, Churchman there's some like noise going on in the background of like the attack. Yeah. It's not an actual flashback where they go back to the scene. No. Like you see Adam West staring at the camera and like the sound of the attack is going on over the soundtrack. Yeah. You know what I did there? No no joke. I switched to another tab because I thought another video started playing in the background. I, I was like, oh shit, because I was doing sound clips on another tab. I thought yeah, that you're like, like, wait a second. I didn't even know it was in the movie. That's how that's how like jank it sounded. I was like, oh I got another something else playing. But that's when I, you know, doing the research for the movie, I found it interesting that one of the the ones I found the strangest was the movie was supposed to be filmed with an all-black cast. Like, all the major actors in this movie were supposed to be a black cast, but the investors wanted white actors. So do with that information what Jesus, you will. I mean, it's crazy. I, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't say it would be better or worse based on the material, but it's an odd thing to... That's a really odd thing to demand out of an investor, or or to You're like, hey, we've got this movie it dealt 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 or it deals with, you know, voodoo priestess. So we think it'd be better to have like people of the same ethnicity who maybe have some background in uh, maybe some of that stuff battling with her and the zombie. And they're like, nah, all white people, please, or we won't give you the money. And they're like, okay, oh, what a big fucking Hollywood, bro. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I mean, anyway. well, we, if that was the case, we wouldn't get Tia Carrera, John Micklethor, Adam West, right? Or we wouldn't have what we did get. We could have had Denzel Washington, uh, his, Jesus Elba. Yeah, right. We could have had, who knows who we could have right. had. Big, big, big loss. <laughs> you never know. But still, like, why would what a shit that? thing? Anyway. What a shit thing for, for someone to demand it. Oh, yeah, that's crap. That's stupid. I'll give you the money, but only if you hire white folks. Yeah, that's know. dumb, man. Stupid. Now we know why Hollywood is that way. Yeah. So uh, at this point, um, Churchman realizes that maybe Sorrel's on a, a little bit of a better detective than he gave him credit for. So he decides to call his buddy Fred, who is Jim's dad, and uh, he gives him the scoop on Molly, and they plan on hunting her down. So um, at that point, does Churchman have the seventh curse pistol as his EDC? Because Dude. he pulls out the exact same looking gun. The, I, my exact note is, holy shit, another pistol with a ridiculous laser scope sight, whatever you want to call it. Because I think we've seen that at least... At least five times, maybe ten in our movies. Yeah, just the most ridiculous. But dude, the fact that apparatus. it was in the last movie. Ugh. So yeah. it's basically uh, the pistol from Terminator that everybody thought was so cool. True, right? or I think I think they had it in a couple other. Um, some I know some of the other stuff we watched had like a stupid ass uh, Invasion USA. I believe had the same thing. Yeah, but yeah. think about the most famous one, like probably, Arnold yeah, Schwarzenegger probably Arnold, going through yeah. that nightclub with that fucking pistol with the laser on it. Yeah. Just, Waxing motherfuckers. Yeah, but this wasn't even a laser. This was just a big apparatus on top of a gun that did nothing. <laughs> a chunk of chunk of PVC <laughs> pipe. Hopefully, it dispensed skittles and stuff. <laughs> Might as well had had his cigarettes in there or something. It's a cigar <laughs> holder. He can shoot it into his mouth, oh. and then like the other one's the lighter. Jesus, dude. Yeah. Uh, so Fred decides to leave his casa. He um, he takes his uh, hunting rifle outside with him. Uh, and then he shoots Tony, zombie Tony, immediately after walking no, outside. No questions asked. Shoot first, ask questions later. He he walks outside, zombie Tony's walking up to the house to kill Fred for some reason. Like, we don't know why that's happening. Maybe I didn't maybe part of his revenge time. is taking out the entire family bloodline. Well, that was the friend of uh, of the, that was harassing Molly in the in the beginning of the movie. That was Adam West's buddy. 
Right, but how would Tony know that? How would I know that? I didn't, still didn't know that. Nobody knows that. That's the problem. <laughs> Nobody knows what's happening. <laughs> I didn't so know anyway, until later. Fred, Jim's dad, shoots him with the rifle and then throws his rifle into a yeah, bush. It discards the weapon. <laughs> <laughs> throws it into a bush and then gets into his Volvo that it won't start for some reason. Uh, and zombie Tony basically just rambles up to him, like ambles up there to him and breaks his neck. And walks away. Another uneventful neck snapping. Yeah. Yeah. That's weak, the problem. Is everything everybody does in this movie is nonsensical and farcical. Like, why won't his car start? It's his own car in his own driveway. It's that. Yeah, that's and unnecessary. He doesn't trip. know he's in danger. He shot the guy, so he thinks he's good because he threw the gun away. And he's just in the car trying to start it and won't start. Yeah, man. There's... With his door wide open. Yeah. Why? 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 I wonder if I could find that fast with like the new. Why? Let me see if I could find that with the new soundboard fast. Nope. I guess I haven't used that in a while. Sorry. That's all right. But anyway, uh, at that point, Bobby and Amy are deciding to ditch town, but they need some moolah first. So their plan is to rob Jim's uncle's garage. (laughs) Okay. And uh, Detective Sorrow at that point, when he shows up to uh, Fred's murder scene, he pulls a Frank Drebin. Did you notice that? I I did. Yeah, I did. That's good. (laughs) He pulls up and he drives his car right up on the fucking curb and he gets out in every crime scene he gets out in. This is a detective Sorrel like MO. He gets up and he tells the cops, Hey, why are those people taking pictures? Why are they yeah. so close that, to the crime scene? Get those people away from here. That one was funny. Cause there was no people. They didn't put any, like they didn't add any extras for him to do that. So he just pulled up and looks off to the distance. Like get, get back, get back from here. This do, no, nothing I to think see you here. Missed out Cause the whole neighborhood was there, buddy. Oh, I must've missed it. But it, if so, the they, whole neighborhood was there and they were all, politely behind the crime scene tape i don't know nobody had cell phones back then so they must have brought their fucking uh vcr you know, or shoulder held <laughs> it must have been a weird cut for me or maybe i looked down at that point because when i looked up and he was saying get him out of here i saw nobody on the screen so maybe it was just a, they show like the crowd and they show him pull up and hit the curb and he gets out and starts yelling at the cops to control the scene and it's like uh, they're doing a pretty good job of that guy. i think i think on on fourth watch i think that maybe that those are just shot out of order and there was actually no people when he told them to go away i think they did a shot Probably, of a crowd yeah. and then a shot of oh, him because I'm, sure. I'm like well, who's he talking to again i'm looking around nobody himself what am i missing here he's just doing a doing a frank deets yeah you know move yeah listen i gotta add a little chest bit of this scene i gotta add a little pizzazz i mean he was good and i frank was good i thought frank was great actually. Frank was great, was, yeah. yeah it's good and he's like i said he's still acting today so good on him um and then we go to they're going to break in the garage. I, they know exactly where the keys at. Amy, so Amy and um, is Amy and what's what, what was it? Her? Bobby. Amy and Bobby. Right. I don't know if you said it or not, but their plan was since they didn't have any money, um, they were going to go to Jimbo's uncle's garage because he said that dude He's kept been money storing there cash, and that they were going to yeah, save it for like uh, when they really needed money. Like Jimbo was like saving that score for later or something. I guess if that makes sense to sure. you. Maybe to get the gang new colors or something. So they're they're robbers that had like a, a a long-term savings or investment plan. They weren't like get the money quick and as whenever you can. It was like we'll save these robberies for later type robbers. They were very finance forward, man. Yeah. They got these jobs in their roster, but they can't do them until yeah. they absolutely need that money. And they so. knew they knew where the keys were, but they didn't know where the money was, so they didn't plan that out properly either. And it's a big ass garage. It's not like a it's not like you know a three car. We're talking about. Uh, an auto zone size yeah. garage. Like it's a fucking enormous. Hey, hey, and, and, uh, and classic Scooby-Doo, this, this motherfucker has the nerve to say, we're never going to find the money if we don't split up. <laughs> 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 I wanted to punch my screen when he said that too. <laughs> Throw this monitor out the window. 
<laughs> we, you know, you, dude, you're not you're not in a in a shopping mall, dude. You don't need to split up in a garage. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, you take so, the f- front left quadrant. We'll call that A. Yeah, you search yeah, there. Yeah. I'm going to we'll be in the back, back of the business. That's going to be quadrant B. Oh uh, to kill back. him. So we're going to make it methodical. You know, we're going to go grid search of this every- thing. Yeah, so and anyway. I'll tell you, I tell you what, too. Uh, Amy picked the complete wrong outfit for a stealthy getaway because she's wearing like high heels and a mini skirt, <laughs> which is very revealing. I'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, while they're doing that, Undead Tony is coming in to kill him, and Molly's trying to find out where Undead Tony is, and Frank is tailing Molly <laughs> on foot, all on Scooby Doo, more Scooby Doo, walking across town <laughs> to get to the garage. Uh, so Molly and Zombie are going to the garage that Bobby and. Susie why and where why whatever <laughs> bobby and amy are already at and sorrel's walking literally 10 feet behind molly following her <laughs> to the garage like, right. at no point does she's like wow that sounds like somebody's following me and like turn around it's all daylight up, like, by the way newspaper. it's like broad daylight type stuff going on too <laughs> no, it's, it's night now but but it's lit like broad daylight it's very well lit. Uh, that's good um but then i did notice um that tony has grown a little um zombie cul-de-sac in his hair a he little did. prior tuck yeah he's yeah got a little bald he's bald in the back top. yeah he was i saw that too it's funny <laughs> it looks like your your uncle uh, zombie good. uncle going around trying to kill people zombie gallagher <laughs> it's very not scary very not terrifying not nightmarish at all oh that's good uh <clears throat> Uh, so Bob is killed by having his face smashed into the front quarter panel of a Volvo. And I'm pretty sure he definitely spit red Kool-Aid out everywhere. Oh my God. It's another super. Li- now in my head now, if you, if this movie that didn't give me any kills, I'm thinking, dude, are you saving some good kills for the finale? Right. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. Get it, ready. You're lying. But also I thought yeah. that the good kill would be. I assumed that the good kill would be Jimbo because he was the he was the bad one of the thing. So when he didn't get a good kill, I'm like, well, shit, they got to be saving up for he, who he next. He impaled him with a baseball bat. What else do you need, my friend? Um, I'd like to see it look good is all I'm asking. <laughs> and I didn't get that. Something at all. Oh, I finally found a cut, too. Wow. There, finally, Jesus. It was a long time. It took a long time. Yeah, I'm glad it was appropriate and on time. Yeah. Um, so... He kills him by smashing his face into the front corner panel of a Volvo. Um, Sorrel arrives to the scene and for some reason gets like this interpretive dance for Molly as she locks him in the garage. <laughs> you know, I, put, I, put down she, I put down she did the Vogue and then used the force. <laughs> she did like the, she did some weird hand maneuvers and then instead of just closing the garage door, used like mental telekinesis telepathy, telepathy uh the force and brought the hey the whole time he's standing by the way like six feet away from her on the other side of the door watching her do it it didn't step out so i'm he, guessing he never once like hey what are you doing he's just like well that's my fate uh, better just stand here so i guess she's trying to lock him in with the zombie for some reason because i don't know why a very large be. undead killer yes yeah, she's I locking guess. him inside with that yeah. so even though literally detective sorrel's on her side <laughs> yeah so then we cut to Amy, and and I guarantee you, the way this started off, the scene started, like she's just standing next to the zombie. It cuts to her, and then I can almost hear in my mind Fasano saying, like, action, and she just starts immediately running away from him down, like, the middle of the garage. 
And I don't know if you noticed, but her tit almost popped out of her skirt. Oh, dude, I did not know. Well, that's the fourth her watch. Her tit, while she's running, her left tit almost pops out of her shirt. So she's running, screaming, and then at one point, she kind of like starts pulling up her shirt to make sure. Oh, man, how did I miss that? Girls dude. don't flop. <laughs> watch it again. That, on your fourth watch. How do I see that stupid that soggy wiener, but I don't catch that? That's a that's a really failure. Priorities all wrong. failure on my part, dude. Super failure. Priorities odd so she runs directly to some sort of glass door that is open on each end she could clearly walk right around this piece of glass door and all she's doing is staring through this glass and he comes up behind her and he smashes her head right into the window and that's probably the most blood from any kill in the entire movie but also most nonsensical because he smashes her head up to the glass she spits blood all over the place and now she's dead too so another Nothing kill. The the like, absolute nothing. The glass didn't break, by the way. Don't think that this is like him smashing no, head through no, the no, glass. No. Yep, He's not at he all. literally like how when you're a kid and you like make fun with your with your sibling and smash your own face against a window. That's what like this when was. you smack it with your hand yeah. at the same time, so it yeah. looks like you. Yeah. Yep. The chase had zero suspense, urgency, intensity. I didn't care. None of it mattered. It was a bummer, man, because I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking, <laughs> I thought you were saving the good shit for the end, and it's the end. So what's going on finale, here? baby. So what's going uh, on? Well, I mean, you do get that. You do get zombie Tony smashing S- Sorrel like onto the trunk of a Pontiac Bonneville, and mm. then he just runs away for some reason. I don't know what's going on. I don't. He know literally picks Sorrel up, slams him on the trunk of the car, and then just walks away. Yeah, I guess. Maybe and guess Sor- who found maybe Molly? Sorrel wasn't the bad guy, possibly. So why beat him up at all? Like he's I don't know. on I don't team know. zombies. Like why fuck him up at all? But anyway, uh, guess who catches Molly finally? Uh, is it Churchman? Churchman. There we go. Yeah, he forces him into the vehicle. Um, Tony Bones is rambling through a graveyard and is being followed by Sorrel now. So after, so a law enforcement officer gets beat up by an undead zombie. Doesn't get on the radio. Doesn't call for anybody. Doesn't notify his superiors. Just literally walks, following an undead human being. To the cemetery, right? It's it, it, and it, it's 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 Scooby Doo again because first you had them all showing up, chasing each other to the garage. Now you have them all showing up, walking to the cemetery at the same time. Where they all show up at the exact same time, and that's when uh, Churchman uh, gives up the ghost. He tells the story, the big reveal right? that Doc already spoiled that I didn't know. Yes, go ahead and tell him what happened. Oh, I hope I don't mess this up. So. It turns out that Molly had not only raised Tony to kill his killers, she had also raised Tony to avenge or to kill Adam West because he was the kid in the beginning that stabbed Tony's dad. Does that started sound this right? whole mess? Does that sound right? right? Yeah, started this whole mess. He he killed Tony's dad. He also had the child that ended up killing Tony. So this revenge is like a multi-family deal. Right, very elaborate, but also somehow Adam West, as churchman, also knows that zombies lose their power after they've gotten their revenge. So he is powerless now. <laughs> so you're, you, what you what you need me to believe here is that Adam West was close to age as Tony, because that is a super duper leap that I don't think I'm willing to to take. Why would Adam West be the same age as Tony? Because Adam West was the one in the beginning that killed Tony's dad when they were walking down the street, and they were both kids at the time one was a teenager one was maybe 10 or 12 yeah but tony was like what you're saying tony was 10 or 12 right right so the boys were probably 16 18 right 
right? Right. So now they're still the same distance and age apart. Like Adam West is probably in his sixties in this movie. And what's John Micklethor? He's probably thirty-five. Okay, that's thirty years difference. Did you see that your math is? Your, you see your math thinking, is flawed here, right? The other way. I thought, you, I thought you were saying they were closer to age. You're, they're trying to yeah. make me believe they're closer in age, but I'm saying I will not take that leap because that yeah. that okay. doesn't make zero yeah. fucking sense. Zero. Yeah, you're right. You're right. right. Okay. Now that I think about it that way, I, okay. you reverse engineered it on me. So you're I did. Right. I did. I made it more complicated than the movie made it somehow. <laughs> So at this point, Churchman shoots Tony and we get the best special effect of the entire God. film. God. Yeah, sure. Zombie Tony's head smoking out as he dies after being shot. Um, yeah, Which I did, actually, I thought I did it was like mass, that. But that I his like eyes that. were holes, so that's clearly a prop, like a like a yeah, puppet. It was sort. it was a mannequin head, and I think there was probably a like a smoke machine behind the you know, coming out of the mouth or whatever. I did I did enjoy that now that you said it. It was grimacing and moving yeah, around I did like and it. you know. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That was to me it was the best effect in the entire movie. So um Churchman also shoots Molly, which Sorrel isn't going to stand for at all. So um just as Churchman is about to shoot Sorrel, another zombie pops out of the ground and drags him to hell. Tony's dad. It's well, it's not implied, per se, but I'm pretty sure that was uh, Tony's dad. It had like, to be, the, dude. Yeah, it had to be. I mean, in order for the story to... But they don't show, like, the tombstone that says William Washington. Yeah, that's, and I watched for that. They didn't, but they should have. They, they yeah. don't, like, have, you know, some Molly saying, like, oh, well, there's a reason why we came to this particular part of the cemetery, sure. because your victim, William, is buried. Yeah, None of that. No. Just a guy with the same mask as Tony, zombie mask as Tony, pops out of the ground, like, clearly, like, uh, artificial turf over a hole in the ground, pops out kind of liked it, in a suit. Kills him and drags him into hell. And while he's, we know it's hell because it's red, red light. light. Why yeah. would William be in hell, by the way? Because he was a loving father who died trying to save an innocent victim. So why he's coming out of hell, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't Mormon. Uh, so nice. he chose the wrong wrong religion, whatever. But he drags him in, and while he's being dragged to hell, Churchman begs Sorrel, please kill me. Kill and Sorrel's me. just kind of like, nah. Yeah. Then you get the extended director's cut of Sorrel walking away in the graveyard. For sure. To some edgy rock music, for sure. Which about bu- zombie life. The, the song is called Zombie Life, by the way. Is that the one you sent me? Because I could probably play that. No, that hold on to that one. Okay. That's Midnight, Midnight Man, one. which okay. is very in particular. Uh, so, some fun stuff I saw in the credits that I'd like to talk to you about, okay? Uh, there is a credit in there that says Incidental Music, which was written by John Michael Thor under the title of A Thorchestra. Oh, <laughs> Yep. That's good. I like it. And also listed on the credit. So we didn't talk about John Michael Thor because I really don't know much about the guy. I know that uh, in Rock and Roll Nightmare, he plays like an archangel who fights a devil that looks like a fucking hand puppet made by a bunch of kids with paper mache. And I know in uh, he wasn't in Black Roses, though, I don't think, was he? I don't remember him in there, no. Which, why wouldn't he have cast him as the main singer in Black Roses? I don't understand. Yeah. Because he would have been perfect. But anyway, uh, John Michael Thor is a big, beefy actor who also plays in a rock band called Thor, which I'm not familiar with their music at all, but I would assume it sounds like uh, Z-grade, like Judas Priest. For sure. Maybe. Yeah. I'd, I'd uh, but I noticed that. in the credits, there was a song by Pantera in the credits. I saw. I did see that, yeah. And I'm going to go out and tell all of our listeners, I actually got a virus on my cell phone. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I saw... 
there's a song in the credits by Pantera called Midnight Man. And I was like, not a lot of people know, you may not know this, but Pantera did not stop, start off as like a groove metal band. They started off as a hair metal band. I didn't did know that. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Like Dimebag Daryl from Pantera, his stage name used to be Diamond Daryl. Oh, it's great. And so if you look up old Pantera albums, it's like power metal. And there's literally songs about like riding on my stick and just like every hair metal, glam metal cliche, Pantera used to be all about it. And the rumor is they heard a band called Exhorter, which if you listen to Exhorter, the lead singer sounds almost like Phil Anselmo and the guitar tone is almost the same as Dimebag Daryl's. The rumor is they heard Exhorter, they decided to change their sound, so new Pantera came out. So I started researching this Pantera song called Midnight Man because I had never heard of it. Okay? Yep. So I go to a couple of, I, first I go to YouTube, try and search it. I find all the old hair metal, glam metal albums, and they've got the track listings. So I go to this other site where they're, you know, talking about the movie and how do I find it. And somebody posts a link, like, if you click this link, here's more explanation about how the Pantera song got. And as soon as I clicked it, my cell phone was like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> Red alert, DEFCON 5. Like, oh, <laughs> God, your entire phone has been hacked by agents. Like, you got, it was like, ah. So it was one of those situations, I, I I don't know if it's true or not. Is my phone hacked? I have no idea, but nothing's gone on so far. We'll see. <laughs> we'll I'll report out. in two weeks and let you know. So come to find out, Pantera was the name of a singer that Michael Thor knew, and so it's her song. So this so is a Pantera, Pantera song right. on the Zombie Nightmare soundtrack. Not this is what you're going to get. Hold on. I have to try to play this live because uh, I couldn't get it to the soundboard, so cross your fingers here. Okay. You hearing it? So after all that fucking work and getting my fucking phone dinged by hackers and all this shit for a Pantera song that I'd never heard before, it's not even a fucking Pantera song. It it almost sounds like Tia Carrera singing. I would have I would have believed it was her. Yeah. Yeah, it even says on here Thor and his Thorchestra. That's stellar. (laughs) Why didn't he put some of that wit into this movie? Because that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I will say I did not enjoy his performance as the zombie at all. <laughs> well, like, it's like a George Romero zombie, just, you know, yeah, scurrying around. And at some points, his feet were turned inwards, like, really awkwardly and stuff while he rambled around and stuff. But uh, all in all, not that great. Um, like I said, I liked it better the second time I saw it, and kind of the third, I liked it better. It's not something that I could say like, oh, dude, you got to go watch this, right? I've told a bunch of guys, go watch Seventh Curse. Hey, man, you're going to trip. You got to see this. You know, like, this is crazy. I don't know that I could do that. I, I didn't hate the movie. I did enjoy watching it. It's. I thought that there was a lot of missed opportunity for fun and and maybe a little bit of gore and definitely boobies. So what I'm basically saying is they missed a lot of opportunity, everything. But, so, um, fuck Susie's dad for showing up on set that day. How dare did, you be did, a, did his job as a dad. Stellar father. Yeah. 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 Um, Jesus. It's it's tough, man. I'm really I'm really torn on this one. I didn't really enjoy it the first time. I kind of did the second time. I'm just stuck right in the middle somewhere. I guess you really got to know what you're getting into when you watch this one. You have to be ready for some real cheese um, and, and be, saying, be ready like, to have fun. There's a reason with it. why. There's a reason why it's got a 2.6 on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. generous. That's yeah. very generous. Yeah, but right. you know, it's but found it. it's it's found its way to the cult pantheon. Like, I think Mystery Science three three. three Mystery Science 3000 did an episode on it that a lot of people like, um, but yeah. Well, I, I enjoyed talking about it with you, so we had that. 100%. 100%. Right. 
I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. All right, Senor Daco, give me your good news. My good news is Zombie John Michael Thor. Yeah. Is also the bad news, but yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. Nice. Is it really, dude? Oh my god, am I that predictable? I think am we I just uh, we just synced up the mincies again. Is all it is. <laughs> all, right, uh, all right. Um, I, I would say I, I was surprised, and it was fun to see some well-known actors in a movie like this. I did have fun with that. Like, oh shit, that's so and so. That's great. Um. And it's kind of sad to me to see that because you're like, man, what did Adam West do to deserve this? I, I kind of like the fact that he did it to me. That I don't know. There's something about that. I like the fact that people would just give it a shot. He doesn't know. You know, he's going in. You think he went into it for the artistic endeavor or he nah, just needed nah, nah. to pay his mortgage? Hey, yeah, maybe he just wanted something to do. Who knows? I, I, I like when people do that stuff. It's It doesn't bother me. Um, And I did. I, I would have done it. Like somebody asked you, hey, do you want to play Captain Churchman in Zombie Nightmare? I'd be yep. like, fuck yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yep. Yep. I have no um, idea what I'm doing, but fuck yeah. And I will say the first time I watched it, I didn't see the plot twist coming. And I think it was based on the age difference between Adam West and John Micklethor because it really is a leap to believe that. But um, I didn't see it coming. I was like, okay, well, I got a little something out of it. So I'll give it that. A little what about, twist. What about your bad it's news? It's like an M. Sh- M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's yeah, exactly twist. like it. As a matter of fact, it's <laughs> dead on. Uh, give me your bad news. Zombie John, Michael <laughs> I was right. That was really it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I feel terrible for doing that. Like I, I didn't funny. give a hundred percent on that. Still, <laughs> hey man, you, you you said what you believed. That's fine. Listen, the only cool thing in those scenes was seeing a zombie traipsing around. But also, the worst thing in the scene is the zombie, zombie traipsing around. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And for a movie called Zombie Nightmare, you really need to invest in the zombie aspect of, it. or possibly a nightmare. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> make something happen. All right, I would say for me, I mean, not much. Maybe just like off the screen kills, the not special effects, the plot, the character development, the fight choreography, Tia Carrera's haircut. All of those could have been improved. I think so. Not too much. It's just that. It's, instead of zombie nightmare, they should have called this like undead meandering. <laughs> zombie stroll. Undead meander. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> Give me a. You got a schlock star rating. Uh, my schlock star rating is this movie is rated two watches too many for me. Once is enough for anybody. <laughs> so that's why in the beginning you didn't want me telling you. <laughs> that's funny. Because you were like, oh, I watched this three times. I was like, oh, that's awkward. Three times, maybe two and a half too many, I'd say right there. Yep. yep. Uh, that's good. Uh, my uh, my schlock star rating is uh, it's a swing in nine if you catch my drift, if you know what I mean. Hello. Uh, what do we got next? <laughs> <laughs> Schlocker Not Protocol requires a quiz off. May the best human moron win. All right, man, hit me. All right, what of these uh, talents or skills is listed in the biography of John Michael Thor on IMDb? Excellent. Really given Are to you me. ready? Yep. Number one, Jazzercise Expert Level 12. Oh, I would believe that. Is that's. I believe that totally. No, oh, no, I wouldn't believe that, that one. It's made up. It's a good one. Uh, master jingle composer, a.k.a. a jingle jangle jobber. <laughs> I, I want that to be true, too. <laughs> no. Damn it. Master thespian. Uh, that's not true. Uh, okay, a bodybuilding champion. For sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually true. I mean, he wasn't crazy big, beefy, like Hulk Hogan or anything, but he's definitely yoked up guy, you know, he's, for sure. 
covered in fucking zombie makeup. Yeah. <laughs> you look at him in other stuff. He's pretty big. There's a, like I said, there's that I am Thor documentary about him, man. And you've got to watch it because it's fucking great. Okay. Yeah. I do want to see that. I was looking through that. Okay. That's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you happen to know what they throw on candle flames to make them spark? Um, Cause mama McKimby. Graphite? No. Uh, most of the time, it's sugar, um, but you can use other stuff for different colors and effects. Like you can use magnesium. Uh, what was the other stuff? Borax, coffee creamer, and different type of salts. You'll get a different effect if you throw those on candle flames. Because I noticed she did that in her little. Um, Why are we doing that? Thing? Just like more often. I just want to see that happen in like real life. Well, now that I've done the research, we can. It's it's available. Right. Start to the us. fireplace and start <laughs> making some caramel in there. Perfect, about man. Yeah, different colors too. Like magnesium borax give you different colors. I think. Well, a little okay. little learnings for you on this one. Okay, I like it. Go for it. What did you think of that zombie shuffle he had going on there? Uh, unmemorable, unmentionable. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which goes to show you, like, zombies in, like, Romero films, like, they do a really good dr- job, like, creating that whole walk. And, like, I know in the Walking Dead series and all these, like, high-end zombie shows, they actually have, like, a zombie school to teach them how to move like the undead. So, that's I think, a, you know, like they a, put a lot of work into it. That's a bucket list thing for Lynn. She really, really wants to be an extra in a zombie movie. Like, she says it any any time we watch a zombie flick, she's she's kind of, like, watching them in the background and, and like, oh, I, I wish I could have that job. I could have done this or that. Like, she's big on that. Dude, she's got the perfect stature, too. Like, she could be the emaciated one. Like, <laughs> so I. Hanging out yeah, and stuff. We both yeah, do. You could, too. <laughs> like, you would require very little makeup. Very, dude, I'm, bare, I'm like, almost there. The other day and I was, like, going to put a mirror in front of your yeah, nose. Yeah, yeah. Almost there already, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Rude. Uh, All right. It, it, man, we were totally in sync this time around, though. But so, what is the most you would pay to own this on DVD? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Can you believe bucks. that, dude? You talked about it earlier. It's crazy. Yeah. 20 bucks. 20, 20 okay. bucks. I was curious because I know you've spent, you know, 40, 50 on some hard to find DVDs. I was curious you're on this one. a hundred over 100 bucks for uh, Stunt Rock. Uh, like that one's that one's tough to find. Was it worth it? I'm sure I got ripped out. Oh, yeah, Stunt Rock. All right. It's got John, a John, John Michael Thor type guy playing in a band doing wizard tricks and shit <laughs> while, while people are doing stunts where they almost die. Totally worth every penny. Yeah, yeah. All right, man, go for it. Um, as a police detective, shouldn't Sorrel have attempted some first aid on Molly or at least called for medical <laughs> you assistance? You gave up quick. I thought of that, too, at the end. She, she got shot, and he just, like, literally, like, Bruce Banner down the street. He like, did. See you later. I, I thought the same thing, too. Like, well, I guess his work here is done. <laughs> like, there's no crime to see here. He just yeah. leaves a dead black lady. A captain uh, from the police yeah. department's completely disappeared. You've got this guy who appears to have been dead for a long time, laying out in the middle of the grass. <laughs> uh, and really, you know what I was expecting there? You alluded to it earlier, but I was expecting to zoom into the tombstone that would show his dad's name. Where the, the, you know that would have been perfect. Like, wow, we just made that movie ten times tight, better. Tightened by it explaining, up. Yeah, <laughs> tightened it up. Tightened it up. All right, man. Bear with me on this one, Doc. You ready? I am. Did Sean Levy base Eddie from Stranger Things on this character? Oh, Jesus, yeah. Huh? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah? Pretty pretty close, All right. dude. I mean, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he is a pot-dealing uh, weirdo that's trying to get in the cheerleader's pants, but he is not a rapist. But so. but I'm telling you, look at that hair and that jacket. Go do a side-by-side. I, hey, man. Yeah, yeah, he he might have... I mean, do you think a little piece of him pulled a little of this character for that look, at least? Yes, I think it's totally I mean, it's possible. It's not as frou frou-y. It's uh, it's a little bit more subdued, kind of like a Metallica headbanger instead of a Poison headbanger, you know. But, but yeah, I, I can see that. Right? Yeah, I had that feeling a little bit too. Okay, good. I'm glad you're with me on that. Okay. Uh, you got cool. taglines? 
Nope, no taglines today. I wasted it all on the other stuff. I, I, I got one for you, though. I still got one. Go. I'm still doing it. If your mom's getting in your case, throw spaghetti in her face. Or getting on your case. <laughs> <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Right. Take that, mom. Yeah, um, you got fl- pasta. She's probably gluten free too. She broke out. I'm trying to get no glutens on my grill, dude. Mess me all up. <laughs> all right, give me your flick pick this week. Black roses, man. Nice. Yeah, watch it before we do it. You gotta watch it now before we do the next episode. All we right, don't tell man. people what we're doing next, but it's Fasano February, so not a lot of choices. But black roses is gonna be on there. Nice. Okay, I agree. Um, I try to keep it on, on theme. I try to when I can. Uh, I know you've seen it, but 2016 Train to Busan. I know you've seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a fun Korean zombie flick that uh, my wife and my oldest, Michael, they watch that on repeat. They love that one, dude. That's dude, like the, a that, family. The guy who made that movie, I, I'm not even going to attempt to say his name because I'm sure I'll butcher it. He just made a new movie on Netflix called like Badland Hunters or something like that. And it's getting a lot of rave reviews, too. It's like Excellent. a post-apocalyptic Japanese world where zombies are attacking and there's like a bunch of badass fighters and stuff. I don't know a lot about it, but it's getting a lot of good That's out now? Buzz. You can watch it now? Yeah, it's on, on Ooh, Netflix now. I'll watch that tonight with my boy. It's good. There you go, pal. Okay, it's time. I just started watching Thanksgiving. That's, you know, I don't like Eli Roth, but that movie's surprisingly good. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. Shockingly good. Okay. All right. So. Time for this. <laughs> Or not. Pretty sure I know the answer here, but go ahead and make it make it official. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna also gonna threaten you at the same time. Okay. Okay. I'm not proud of this. But if you say not schlock, <laughs> I will run over you as you leave five below, you cheap fuck. That's good. I think you've threatened me with this before, haven't you? <laughs> Threaten to quit the like, show. If I hear the words out of your mouth, not schlock. <laughs> I will literally. I I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm imposing like unnecessary stress on you yeah. or 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 influence. But like, if you say not schlock, we can never do this. We're show done. Again because, this this no, will be the yeah, end. Like, yes. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, our our jobs are safe because I just put this is some reanimated in the '80s schlock. This is okay. The definition, basically, of the term <laughs> in some respects. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, I do have, what do I have here? I got a mission statement. Oh, shit. From a dude named Falk. You might be from, familiar with him. <laughs> Why would I know a guy by the name of Falk? Could you spell that for me? F-A-W-K? F-O-C-K. Or F-O-K. Or F-O-C, as a matter of fact. Any way you want to spell it. Here we go. So clearly a fan. Yeah, definitely. Schlocker knots are our friends traveling with us to the edge of the cinematic universe in a rocket ship fueled by Tony's huge schlong and mom's spaghetti. Yeah, I put a little emphasis on the Jesus spaghetti. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it still freaks me out to this day. Dude. dude, I've done Lynn's. I've gotten Lynn's so perfect. I played it for the other day. She said it sounded just like her. It's the same thing, yeah, as a matter of fact. I did the same wording just for Lynn. Yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> that is so strange crazy. to me. I, yes. I also got a, uh, what else did I have here? Um, I have an anonymous uh, call. You want to play that one too? Oh God, is it about Dick Donner again? <laughs> that would be good. That's my favorite. <laughs> I don't know who this is. You'll have to be the judge. I hate this podcast. Schlock or not is <laughs> terrible, and I want to go to bed. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I do appreciate the call. I don't know, but she sounds feisty. She sounds feisty. Yeah, I've been doing uh, so let me just say this too. Can we explain to our listeners that I know we've been in a little bit of a '80s horror 
like zone right now, but we're going to be expanding the horizons in the future. And don't forget, if you have something you want us to watch or you're interested to hear us talk about, let us know. Send us some messages on Instagram or Twitter. And also, we're going to start trying to work on some commentaries for people. Yep commentary tracks uh we have the we're also doing live chat right now i don't know if anybody's in it but uh if you're a patreon you got an invite to discord you can listen to us live and you can uh it's not a uh, voice chat but you can type to us while we're while we're um doing the yeah. show oh, you yeah. can listen right along live and hear all our mess ups it's the most fun we got and we'll maybe answer some questions whatever you got yeah okay man that was a good one uh is that it are we wrapping wrap it up Slock or not slock or not is it slock or not slock or not is not slock or not slock or not is it slock not slock or not not slock or not not slock not slock 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 or not slock or not is it slock not not slock or not not slock not slock 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 or not slock or not is or not is slock or not slock or not is or not is slock or not slock or not is or not is King Slayer's The Voice, proud Patreon supporter for Schlockernaut. If you get a little value out of the show and you want to give a little value back, you can support for as little as $1 a month. Every cent made goes right back into the show in order to make it better. You can follow the link at steve52.com. Doc and Steve don't have any friends.